Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And what do you know? It's been a big week in gaming. I'm into God for episode 39 for Sunday, the 11th of April, 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official P3 himself nominated and approved Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinney. Hello. And the game loving, grind hating, two $1 coffee drinking, gamer, anti gamer, and interrupter in chief, Mike. Go home. <laughs> For the audio listeners, he, he doesn't realise that there's a lot of audio listeners. He looks like ET oh, yeah. at the moment because it's close. In this week's show, we'll be discussing E3 2021 is officially confirmed as a digital event. Another Bloomberg bombshell. The Last of Us is getting another remake. And we reminisce about our first video game memories. As always, if you want to reach out to us on the show, reach out to us at BigWigPod on Twitter or at BigWigPod at gmail.com. Or don't. We're not your mums. Now, we, we have some care. corrections. So, my, I've got the first one, and I think, Swinny, you've got the next correction. So, the first correction is, I referenced the developer that got a Vita game, like, that was developing a Vita game that had to get cancelled, that they got a dev kit. It wasn't a dev kit. It was a test kit. See how much we care about detail on the show? Mm. Does that actually change any of our thoughts about No, that but I like to be correct. Uh, and then I think, I, I think I know where you're going with the next one, Swinney. And I feel like it was me who, who was the culprit, but go on. So uh, the second correction is that the CEO of PlayStation is not a fictional CIA analyst because Swinney called him Jack Ryan, not Jim Ryan. <laughs> it was you who did it. Okay. I was actually going to listen back to the tape because I saw this note and I'm like, oh man, did I call him Jack Ryan? No, it was me. It was all me. And okay, I'll give you a, a bit of an insight into my stubbornness. I actually did some Googling on him to see if he sometimes is called Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to like go, wow, he's sometimes called Jack Ryan. Only to his close friends. And I didn't even, uh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even necessary. Uh, we should call out that Arcane's PS5 exclusive Deathloop has been delayed from 21st of May to the 14th of Sep in 2021. And Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga uh, won't make its Q2 2021 release date, which has actually been delayed a couple of times, that game. Hmm. Yep. So. And it's a game that I'm super actually pumped to, oh, to try. So am I. It's great. I am, great. I am actually as well. I, I think I'll enjoy the Lego version of, of the episode 7, 8, and 9 a bit more than that. Well, probably mostly 8 and 9, to be fair, uh, than the actual movies. Can, can I also point out, you may notice that I don't get many corrections. And I don't think that's because I don't screw up. I think it's because I screw up so much that you guys have just given up trying to correct me. Well, we correct you live on the show. Mostly. And there's that too. Yeah, yeah. And also, I Thanks, don't know if you, life easy. have you ever listened back to any of our segments in the clips on YouTube or anything? I have. Okay. Have you? All right. Yeah. I'm actually shocked about that. Yeah, like twice. Twice. <laughs> Have you got gloves on, Mike? You've got I do. It's cold. <laughs> it's scary the way you look. It's really now. cold. <laughs> and what have you been playing, Mike? Matt, well, I was going to say, I am wearing gloves because I'm about to go on a murder spree. <laughs> no, okay. I'm not. But I did play more of L.A. Noir mm. for our little uh, Game of Some Other Year. Nice. nice. On yeah. the Switch, right? On the Switch, yes. Still yeah. digging it. Really good game, but we'll talk about it later. And... I got back into cyberpunk. Oh, very briefly. It's been a really busy week, so I haven't had 
much time uh, to dedicate to to as many games as I wanted. But back into Cyberpunk, missed it. I don't care what anyone says. Loving that game, it's really cool. Awesome characters, great graphics, sweet gameplay. I love that game. It's really good. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it, it reviewed really well on PC. It should have launched on PC. I mean, we've gone over this. Should have only launched on PC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's, that was patch one point two. Yeah, that was with one point two. Did yeah. you notice I, any difference? Well, the biggest difference I noticed is they patched the glitch where you could sell a painting for four thousand, buy it back for five. Keep doing it. <laughs> now, when you sell it, it costs you nine thousand to buy it back. So I guess they figured that one out. QA, QA. So I did kind of kind know of pissed, they actually. may have fixed that when you're talking about it, but I'd I also... didn't see it in the list. No, so I'd heard that because when people look put in the solutions in true achievements mm-hmm. under the. Under the achievement to buy all the cars, that mm-hmm. was there. But then I'd read some people say that they could still get something else to work. So I was like, oh. I, I just don't have enough details to correct you live on the air. See, that's why I remember <laughs> telling you. I remember telling you when I remember telling you there's this glitch. And if you want to get the achievements, you should play the game now so you can get the achievements because it's much easier with the glitch for stuff like buying the cars. But too late now. It's when he has those macro controllers anyway that he can grind out money. Oh, I don't know. It's not. <laughs> So it's not that easy in that game, given so, how many cars there are, but anyway. I'll, I'll jump in because it's a natural segue. I was also playing L.A. Noir. I finished the game. Whoa, um, okay. And nice, now nice. I'm, I'm about, and I know you guys hate this, I'm probably like well over halfway through the main quest of Skyrim. Um, wow. And then, Why would we hate that? Well, well, we hate the fact that you have so much time to play games. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I'll go, I will go to it soon, like with some of the games that got announced this week or released this week. Mm. Um, I've only been exclusively playing Game of Some Other Year games, and I really Same. want to play Monster Pretty Hunter Rise. Like, I really, I've woken up wanting to play it, <laughs> and I'm like holding back because <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm not going to get around to playing these other games. No, it's more just Skyrim playing the main quest feels like you're playing Skyrim wrong, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, like I, I even venture off because it's you know it's a great game in that way, and then I'm like, no, I've got to get back to the main quest. What am I doing going down this mine? Um, so yeah, that's a cool game, and then also Deus Ex: uh, Human Revolution. So, I, and you know, wow. I said to you guys, I time. I booted it up. Well, I've finished Shadow Noir, so now I've moved on. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it didn't click with me initially, Deus Ex, uh, but now now it is. Like now, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The combat feels a bit more natural, I guess, than it did okay. right at the start. So. Yeah, I'm getting it's, into it. It's interesting it. because when I originally played it, and whenever I play those kind of games, I always play stealth-based. So it's slow, calculated movements, look at everything, find everything. Mm. But I feel like if I'm going to play it now, again, I'm just going to rush through it and all guns blazing. So it's going to be a different experience. So I always I think my, it's cool. Go on, Sweeney. One of my coolest uh, experiences in gaming is actually doing... The so you you basically bundle up a whole bunch of hard achievements in one go with that game. So you play it on the hardest difficulty. You don't kill anyone, and you don't get noticed by anyone, and you don't get trigger any alarms. Oh yeah, I've heard Jeez. about that. I've heard about that. That was that was that awesome. Hard. That was a really really awesome uh, play. Wow. I'm like one of those people that thinks they're gonna change. So I always start in like a stealth build or stealth class or anything like that, and distance killing, range killing, and then I just go back into melee mode. <laughs> So I did that with both Skyrim and Deus Ex. I, I even got some augmentations and I'm like, I'm never going to use these because I just go in and shoot everyone <laughs> and kill them all. <laughs> so that's me. How about you, Swinney? 
All right, sit back and relax. Oh, and can I just say to talk about this week? You 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 sent us a very cryptic message. You had some kind of receipt Mm. from EB Games, which is like GameStop in Australia, and you wouldn't tell us. I may or may not cover that as part of my uh, essay that I've gotten. Oh, oh you what may I've been doing this it. week. Go Please. on, go on. So, so first of all, just wanted to say that I'm I'm very sad this this episode this week um, because from what I can tell, there's no new Chemco release for April. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the is this the first time they've like not released a game? Pretty much, I think it's been like two years straight where they've done a monthly release and they've missed it. So Maybe they're I was pregnant. quite, I was quite sad. I was quite sad. <laughs> so in terms of you know what I've been playing, uh, because we did we recorded a bit earlier last week, there's mm. been more time. You know, there's been like nine days worth of, of, of Swinny game time True. here. But um, so I mentioned to you guys. <laughs> Sorry, that... I keep on interrupting, but I was going to say it's like a month's no, worth of like, regular game it is, time. It's like, it's like an extra twenty five percent or something. So, Assassin's Creed Pirates finished that off, and on the show last week, mm. I was saying, man, I, I may only need one more ship destroyed or something to mm. to finish my, yeah, entire that, yeah. game, my entire gaming resolution, and it was two ships. Two ships out of a thousand, oh, nice. I needed more. Well, sorry, like, why was that not in the correction? Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, that's true. Okay, all right. I'll t- let me just type it in our run. Can we restart now, the thing? And then we'll restart the whole podcast. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm just so, turning off Zencaster now. So as part of that, I finished my entire um, gaming resolution, first gaming resolution for Assassin's Creed, which is awesome, which is getting all achievements in every single Assassin's Creed game. There's no exceptions wow. there. So, so it's, all, it's done. It's done. Now, wow, how it do you will, feel? It will get uncompleted when the Valhalla DLC drops, but then obviously I'll just... In that gap for a day, comes out so yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, you know, there's a neighbor in our cul de sac who is a mad Assassin's Creed fan, and I told him that that you'd finished every single thing in every single Assassin's Creed game. And he just said, Well, he must be single. <laughs> 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 that was his oh, only reaction. That's uh, that's that's I'm writing that note down as a potential episode title right there. Um, okay. So, all right, but that's that's just like that literally happened right after the podcast. So, the stuff I've actually really been playing. So, been playing a bit of Fallout Four and Skyrim on Ooh. PC. So, both of those got released on the Windows Store. It's part so of actually, the Bethesda purchase. Yeah, that's cool. Correct. Um, with you know, with new achievements lists and stuff. So, I've been playing a bit of them, which is cool. Going back to those, um, Skyrim had already started on PC uh, like a month ago. So, I've just you know restarted on that. Um, I played through all of the Outer Worlds second and last DLC, Murder on Eridanos. Mm-hmm. Um, I was originally planning on reviewing this, but then I just delayed it a bit. Um, it's about, look, honestly, I really liked it, but it's, you know, there's some things that I'm not a fan of with it. It was about six to eight hours doing most of the content, so pretty beefy um, DLC. Absolutely love the setting on the floating uh, gas planet with, or floating, gas planet with floating islands and everything. Really cool quests, great use of the whole murder mystery thing, but it just to, for me it doesn't land, it doesn't nail the landing narratively, mm. um, and it's quite disappointing how it plays out, and it kind of it makes a lot of what you do earlier in the DLC kind of feel meaningless, which was a shame. But it's still really worth playing. Um, and then I did, you know, uh, 
the achievement speed run on uh, on console that I did afterwards took about an hour, which was pretty cool. And it runs really, really well on the Xbox Series X since they did the upgrade with uh, 60 yeah, frames. Yeah, that'd stuff. be nice. So it's really, really nice. Um, and I also played through a game that uh, was also added to Game Pass recently that I never played called Undertale. Oh. Yeah. Is it yeah. good? So I've never played Undertale. Always been keen to give it a shot. Mm. Obviously, a lot of people love this game. Uh, uh, that's the, an understatement, I think. Yes. Um, honestly, it's not my kind of game, though. It's it's very charming. It's incredibly, you know, creative. It's got some awesome moments, mm. great characters, very funny. I can see why people absolutely love it. But for me, just the, the, the way that they meld the gameplay elements into it just doesn't really click with me. Mm. Um, it commits what I consider like a cardinal sin of an RPG. Which is... Which is random encounters during puzzle gameplay. So you're running around stages doing puzzles, but then you're also getting random encounters while you're doing it. And that's the whole game. Not every area Mm. has random encounters, but generally speaking, it's a puzzle game with RPG encounters in it that obviously has its own very creative way how it handles that. But Mm. And I just... it just kind of started. It just really frustrated me, honestly. Um, mm, but look, it was a fun experience. Um, I just think it would be much better if they had instead opted for on-screen enemies that you you trigger encounters with, kind of like your Chrono Trigger or something like that. Um, so that is not currently categorized as an RPG, but it will likely get changed on True Achievements. It's so that not should... an RPG on True Achievements. I'm, a, I'm not yet. Like I'm amazed. That's so crazy. The... So the weird thing is, okay, it's... What does it categorize as? Well, it's, first of all, it just got released, so they, it always goes through a period of, of community voting and stuff on that, and that stuff hasn't played out yet. I think it's just currently got an adventure tag or something. And um, it will likely get tagged as that, which means it will count towards my, um, my goal as well, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, look, it's fun, but um, it's just not for me. Okay. And the last couple of Can't things... Can't wait for all the fe- feedback comments on this one on YouTube. Yeah, I know, because people don't really like that game. It's no cult following of Undertale. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't click for me either, to be fair, though. So we're really going to get blasted. It, look, I'd say its initial impression is not fantastic, but I think it really picks up. Mm, so. Okay. Um, so the other couple of things I just wanted to cover relate to the that receipt that I sent. Yes. Ah, the receipt, but... So, don't worry, it's not that exciting. Oh. But um, the first one was a game by the name of Immortals Phoenix Rising. Ah, so, you got it after I sent that? you the sale? On what, on what platform? Uh, I, no, I just picked it up. It was a, like I picked up a cheap pre-owned copy. So, oh, um, on what platform? Sorry. Co- wait, Mike, just wait, pause for a second. I've, he's asked me to like Xbox. keep an eye out for Immortals being cheap, blah, blah, blah. I, yeah, I've yeah. done that. I sent it through when it was cheap, and then he's just bloody bought a pre-owned copy anyway. <laughs> Because wow. I just saw it when I was out walking around. How much for? So it was, uh, I think I got it for like thirty-five. Okay. That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad on so, uh, on Xbox, obviously, right? It's thirty-eight Series, new, Series I think. X, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was like, okay. I looked at it. You know, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll just pay that. Um, you know, it's no, coming to Game Pass next week. Well, we've talked about. It's definitely coming all, to Game Pass. It's definitely first coming of, to Game Pass. First of all. <laughs> That Ubisoft doesn't have a history of adding many titles to Game Pass. But that one they will. (laughs) Can we make a bet? It will come in the next three months. I'm not going to make a bet about that. Okay. So so with this game, look, I've only played the first couple of hours. Um, I haven't unlocked all the mechanics yet. Like Mechanics are very key to that game in terms of how you move around the environment and everything. 
Um, I'm really, really loving it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Can I? Oh, you, you, you make me so angry, Sweeney. It's the contrarian. Mike, this game Wait, that's is not like... not a contrarian. The, the game, people like this. This game. is like a carbon okay. copy of Breath of the Wild, a game he hates. Yeah, I know. And then Ubisoft makes yeah. a, you know, very Chinese a clone of it. It's clone, and he, and he loves it. This feels very different to Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it does. Now, it's, it's obviously... I can't no, comment, It's it. got a lot of elements of it, but it feels very different. Sure. It feels like... It looks... It's a whole different ballgame. First of all, it doesn't have stupid bloody weapon degradation. So... Um, okay, that's a big pro. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why everyone's so anti... Anyway, we'll, cover it, later. we'll cover it later. Yeah, let uh, me talk about this game. So... Um, look, the combat's really, really cool. It's tight, responsive, feels great. Um, it's got some light RPG mechanics, but I haven't unlocked all the systems yet. So we'll see whether or not it, you know, I'd be interested to see if it actually builds a lot more around the progression of your character or if it's simply about just like a skill tree and stuff and loot and things like that. But uh, yeah, no, really, really cool. Um, the one thing it, it borrows heavily from Breath of the Wild is one of the things I'm not a fan of yet, we'll see how, how it goes, is the stamina meter. I was just never a fan of that. So, okay. um, But yeah, the, the last thing I'll talk about is the other thing that was on that receipt, which is... Receipt. Hurry Switchpad Pro. Oh, dude, that's so <laughs> funny. I was going to get one. I was literally going to order one on Amazon the other day. So I saw it there and <laughs> I saw it there and it was like 10 bucks off in EB games. I was like, bugger, I'm just going to buy it. And uh, oh, it's, it's really neat. What can I say? It's really, really cool. Um, I have to get used to the buttons I don't, though. I don't get it. I've been telling you guys for ages how good it is. No, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, I know. I just bought one. Thank you. <laughs> I bought one based on, no, no, I just, on I feel, I finally feel validated. It, it's, <laughs> it, it makes it so much better to play handheld. So I have to get used to the buttons though because it feels like you have to like push them harder than like you, the switch buttons are so small yeah. when you're playing handheld. Mm. So that like I was trying to play Mario Maker on it and I was missing jumps because I just wasn't used to it yet. But other than that, that was just me. You just have to get used to it. Um, you get used to it. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love the. D-pad. It feels cheap is the only thing. Sorry, it, it like it's in, it, it. It feels good, but it feels cheap. In See, it doesn't feel the cheap construction. at all. Doesn't no, feel to, cheap to me, it feels all, like man. one of those Power A, those those like third party controllers in that sense. It just uh, like it not in a ba- like it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's responsive. It works fine. I mean, just, it, it doesn't a, feel like the quality you get from Mike. It is a third parties. party controller, so I don't. Understand I know, but Hori are pretty good. Hori are pretty good with making yeah. really good good products. So I think, look, yeah, it's really really cool. It is a little absurd when you like look at it though. <laughs> it's because like, like they're way bulk, they're way yeah. bulkier than what I was expecting. Um, and that's not bad when you're actually using it, but it looks a little crazy. Like I don't know if I want to sit there and train playing this i've done so, another train don't worry about a bit, it looks a bit it's ridiculous gonna, no one's gonna care but uh yeah so You're single was... anyway what what are you worried about <laughs> well it's yeah let's just bring that back um, have you been on the train recently yeah what's that got to do i'm just saying if i was going <laughs> to was play this on the, train, on the train you know i'm saying if i was gonna play the switch on the train i don't think i'd probably use <laughs> just the wear a mask wear a mask so no one will will know who you <laughs> are <laughs> So that's been that's been my week. So thank you for listening. Uh, I shall now leave the podcast. <laughs> Bye. No, please come back. That was actually so, really good. Sweeney, I was debating about. I was like so close to getting the Hori uh, Switch Pad Pro. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but I'm also debating about getting this fixture uh, clip for the Pro controller. So I sent you the link. Clip? 
It's called that one again. It's called the I don't know what the actual it's called stupid name. Fixture S one. So it's like I'm a clip for the pro controller and then it I, I just sent you the link in the chat. It's like fixturegaming.com. So you clip in the switch and then you can clip in the pro controller. I don't know if you can see it, Swinny, or Swinny committing to the bit um, and being quiet. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm trying, but I was just also just looking something up quickly as well. Um, that oh, I'll, sorry. That relate. Don't no, want to interrupt no, you. you know, no, uh, you'll, you'll explain. I've, I've gone to your link. Shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what, for the Switch? Yeah, like because I, I definitely want to move away from playing with the Joy-Con. So it's either going to be the Split Pad Pro or this Fixture S1 thing. Oh, it looks good. Like oh, it looks Mike, better Mike's as a mute. stand. It looks better as a stand. <laughs> okay, well. so I thought Mike I'm was back. doing a bit, and he was no, actually no, no, not. No, no, he no, was no, on no. mute, and he didn't realize. I, I did not realize I was on mute. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at it, going, "This is really neat." I the like the look of fixture this. Fixture S1, right? Yeah, the Fixture S1. Looks yeah, really people cool. rave about it who have it. Although but people to, rave to be about honest, the there's one third well. party ones for a fraction of the price. No, 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 it's not. It's not. No, you can get fake ones for cheaper. Yeah, but I've looked into them. They're not like that good quality. That's no, good. Okay. So I was just quick. The thing I was quickly looking up was when I was at the store. The guy was telling me about the Monster Hunter Horror Split. Oh Pro. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was just double checking to see if that had been announced. So yeah, it has. But I was just checking that. That actually looks pretty neat. I say I think it looks horrible. The design of the Monster Hunter Horror one. I've got the demon. I don't X think it looks horrible. I think one. Uh, actually, yeah, no. Nah, now nah, look at it. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't, doesn't even matter. I like how, I like how Sweeney yeah. is such a contrarian. No. He's like his brain just no, says be contrarian. No, oh, no, no, only, you're wrong. And then he looks no. at it and goes, "Oh yeah, shit." No, I was only looking. I, I, I was only looking at one side of it. The other side looks a bit. Cute. But hang on, let me get this straight. You you are not going to use this thing on the train. So literally, the only person that will see you play with this thing is you. What does it matter what it looks like? We're just talking about it. <laughs> I'm no, not but you guys are like, one. oh, no, that's horrible. I'm not going to buy it because oh, I don't like that one. It looks we're shit. Not, I didn't say that. I've already bought one. <laughs> Why would I buy this? Anyway, enough about this. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was you, Swinny. We can move on to the news now. Yes. All right, beautiful. Okay. All right, so our, our favorite friend at Bloomberg and our majority of the content on the show, <laughs> Jason Schreier's, dropped another bomb. So in his recent article, it delved into Sony's obsession about blockbusters, uh, and it has made some big revelations, actually. So uh, one revelation is that the sequel to Days Gone was pitched and rejected, and that The Last of Us is getting remade again. Uh, but it looks like actually... Well, no, it was remastered. Now yes. it's getting remade. Oh, thank, thank you, Mike. I was about to say that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the article really does center a lot on the visual arts service group, which, uh, as always with a lot of the AAA games, they will use third-party studios. We saw it recently with CDPR, uh, a studio in Canada that they actually ended up buying um, that helped them finish out, well, quote-unquote finish uh, Cyberpunk for launch. And visual arts service group has helped uh, Naughty Dog and other Sony entities finish games, including Last of Us two uh, and they were starting to do last of us remake themselves but the article goes into depth about how as last of us part two finished more and more naughty dog employees came along and then started to really not throw their weight around but by the virtue of the fact that some of them actually worked on the last of us the first game back in you know the early 2010s 
it's pretty hard to argue with someone about the vision of a game when they've actually <laughs> created the game. Uh, so they very much felt like they were sort of getting pushed on the outer. It also goes into Sony Bend, uh, which is the studio behind Days Gone, a game that uh, was poorly received critically and probably partly due to themselves where there was a very buggy build that everyone reviewed. So it's turned so many people off that game, a lot of reviewers and a lot of influencers. Uh, but supposedly the version on PS5, which is available for free as part of uh, PS Plus, is pretty playable. People say it's a pretty decent game. So the, that was also pitched to have a sequel. It's been rejected, and it looks like they are making a new IP or a new title. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, Swinney, um, there's a lot in this article. Like, what else was there that I might have missed out? Look, I, this article, obviously, it's insights are fantastic. Mm. Like Schreier is, you know, usually always, you know, great a true journalist. I do think that there were some comparisons within the article that just felt a bit odd to me. Um, it was. I don't think it was his best work. I think there was some of the stuff that I'm just like, that just feels a little petty. I'm just trying to find exactly what it was. Um, Mike, while I'm looking that up, what, mm. what are your thoughts about a Last of Us remake? Yeah, I don't get it, to be honest. Uh, so, so there was the remaster that was done for PS4. I, I Are they actually... Because I, I found the article was a little thin on details. Are they actually looking at completely remaking it? As in a whole new using an updated version of the engine, new assets, or is it just to get it slightly visually remade? No, they, they talk about it having a new graphical engine. I don't, I don't know why they would spend the time and effort to do that. You I mean, what? number one still looks great. You can play it on PS4, you can play it on PS5. It still looks fantastic even to this day, I mm. think. Yeah, I agree. I don't know why you'd waste all those resources remaking something like that when you can use those resources to work on number three or another game. Well, I, yeah. I, so I, I don't know what I'm missing. Am I like, am I missing something? No, or what, but you know what? The... Like, because I had the exact same reaction as you. I was like, oh, you know, really? Like, they're going to do this game again? Like, but I do wonder if it's, you know, some of this is maybe PR and timing. Because... For the show? No, no, more, more just... You know, this game will not come out for maybe three years. Yeah. Right? So maybe in three years' time, if they go, there's a remake of Last of Us, people will go, oh, cool. Okay. Like, the remaster came out like eight years Uh, ago. Fair point, yeah. You know what I mean? But the fact that we know now, it it just kind of makes you go, oh, really? So the only thing I can think of is, is touching on that point is that they're doing the TV show. Sure. And I believe it's based loosely i'm probably gonna have to do a correction next next week no it's based on i think the it's first based game. loosely on the first game no, it so is. you can kind of see why different, they would different angles like this they've already yeah. said that some stuff won't be the same but yeah so you can kind of see why why that would make sense you know if it becomes a popular show which it probably will become a popular show given maybe you know what what the walking dead was like but uh, do you think like the timing of that look i know obviously tv shows can take a long time produ- to produce but this seems like this was Often running by from uh, you know that visual arts service group you know team mm. before this TV show was was a thing you know so it's like to say that it's mm. oh they're doing this because of that I don't think I think it just maybe is is the timing is probably very it's not coincidental but it's just probably going to work out well for them if they it might work out well yeah around. but honestly I just don't I don't know from an executive level why they would have made that decision oh but it makes so, sense though it sells like. 
And and now that they're giving basically giving that game away for free in lots of capacities mm. or next to nothing, even if you buy it brand new, doing a remake and changing a few things, you, let's be real, like a bunch of people will buy it. Yeah. Like that's what all the data has told them. So from a from a business point of view, it's super obvious why they're doing this. But from a consumer point of view, it's kind of just boring and you feel like it's a bit of a waste of resource, you know, especially if Naughty mm. Dog have taken it over again. It's like, really? Is this what they're going to work on? Like something that they've already done? doesn't feel like, to your point, Mike, at the start, it's like, what what new are they going to say through this game? feels like nothing. Mm. So this ties into the thing that I was just looking up in mm. an article that I found a bit strange for Shry to raise. So it's about that whole focus on, okay, blockbusters versus the whole creative, more niche titles and things. And he brings up dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Can I just say, I had the, uh, yeah, go on. Because I had the same thing. Yeah, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, he basically, you know, likens the fact that they didn't promote dreams to the fact that Roblox is a huge, massive game that's like one of the biggest games in the world. Saying, oh, well, kind of almost insinuating that if they promoted it, potentially could have been Sony's Roblox. And I'm just like, that is... Roblox is such a... Like, you can't... I don't think you can compare that. Dreams is a very different thing than something that's, like, obviously targeted at children, you know, and, and is YouTube, you know, everywhere on YouTube, like, Roblox. Like, it just felt like such a, a stretch oh, it, to kind of make that comparison. And, and I think we're all fans of Shrya. And, uh, like, for me... Yeah. If I had a journalistic tier list, it would just generally be like him and then maybe two tiers empty and then a whole bunch of other journalists and then Kotaku at the bottom and trash tier. Hey, but um, Patrick Klepek's pretty up there. Well, I'm more saying Kotaku as an entity. I mean, Shreya was at Kotaku and I still would have had him in the top tier. Um, But that that was a stupid point. That was, I don't know, it was just very... Like, I'm surprised it didn't get edited out because it's almost like someone who doesn't even know what Roblox is. Like, honestly, like, uh, you know, I feel like it's not even that different if you said, oh, if they promoted it differently, it could have been like Minecraft. It's like, uh, like what? It's totally different to Roblox. Like the whole model of Roblox is different to Dreams. And then, you know, the only way it makes sense, his point is if he basically says that if they made a game like Roblox, it could have been like Roblox. Like it doesn't make any sense. His point. So yeah, that 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 still stood out really well. uh, Let's just move on. I mean, we're not we're not here to critique other articles, right? It's more. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> what's going on with the Last of Us remake? No, they... well, this this story is also about that article. Mm. You know, so okay, I think that I think that this whole Sony's obsession with blockbusters. Look, it's. It's obviously working for them in many ways. You know, especially financially. Um, but from, as you're saying, you got from a consumer standpoint, it does kind of feel like the creativity is, is kind of a bit bare bones, mm. you know, when we're not getting those niche titles. But mm. it's honestly, it's, at the end of the day, it's business. What can I say? It's, it's all business, of, business numbers, man. Yeah, there, there's a there's a cool book called Blockbusters. Um, it's like a relatively older book now. But I actually think the book has a lot of value into what the next sort of, you know, 10 years will look like. Because there is something very powerful about, mega hits in whatever field you're talking about and its ability to draw people in. You'll see it through like, you know, Michael Jordan with the NBA. You have someone mm-hmm. who's just so much better than everyone else. And like, 
more than a generational athlete, more like a one in a life, once in a lifetime athlete that it brings people into the medium itself. Like they weren't even, you know, interested in it. So, I mean, from, from that theoretical point of view, it does kind of make a lot of sense what Sony's doing. Like I, I, I'd love to think and, you know, be able to do this experiment of like, would I have even bought a PS4 if it wasn't for some of the huge mega hits that uh, Sony had, like, you know, God of War and things like that, where I was like, ah, oh, I feel like I have to get this console just to play these games because they're just like so good. Um, mm. And same as Nintendo, right? Like with Zelda and Mario, like how much do they draw in people from the start? And then, you know, all the rest of the games come from that. So I feel well, really... I oh, sorry, guys. No, there you, you go. I was going to say, I feel really bad for fans of Days Gone to hear this news. Yeah. Because if one thing is almost a sure bet is that Sony Blockbusters will get a sequel, and to hear that news, it's probably a bit of a, you know, a kick in the nuts. I have to say, it's not shocking, though, but... And it's funny, I really do think the whole game has died because of how it launched more from a review perspective. Like with a broken game, and it got terrible scores on Metacritic. Um, but the build that was released like two weeks later was totally different, which mm. is like very strange the way that they did that process. I'm looking forward to playing it. I, I think back to the point about blockbusters is I think in order to create some of those games, you, you need to put so much money behind it and so many resources and so much time that from an executive point of view, you need to justify where you put that money into. It's a huge decision to make. It's not like, you know, you you develop a game for a year or something with a small team of people and you can afford to pay them no problem. And I think they still need to do stuff like that because there's a lot of really cool gems, really cool indie stuff that, that Sony, you know, backed or that was released on their platform specifically, which were massive hits. Mm. But I think from an executive decision, you can kind of see how they go, well, if we're going to invest millions of dollars into a game, potentially more than millions, tens of millions, even hundreds of millions, um, they need to justify that cost. So that's why they go for the big blockbusters Mm. and they go for the cash cows. Same as Nintendo, you know, like Nintendo, we talked about this before, they sometimes go out of their way to try a new IP or try something different. But they still just go for the cash cow. They still go for the big Mario games that they know will sell. Um, they know they can justify pumping all that money into mm. development for. Yeah, that's true. It's a huge, it's a huge gamble when you think about that's it. That's true. In so many ways. There's, there's so many studios that went bust because the game didn't you know, get received as well as they thought they would. And I know I can come across as pretty cold sometimes, but I do feel... <laughs> Sorry for the guys and girls behind Visual Arts Service Group, just with like that feeling of, you know, hey, this could be something of our own, build it through. Especially if you're doing like a remake, you kind of, mm. you, you know, the bones of the game and you can build from there. So it's, you know, from a risk perspective, it's a lot less, you know, um, in terms of, you know, will it be a hit or not? And it gets you sort of, you know, you, your feet wet in terms of building a game yourself and then to have it sort of through a transition, through almost osmos- osmosis, not stolen from you, but taken from you. And then, you know, so many of the people leaving Sony because of it, it, it would really suck. Like that, that really sucks. So yeah. And it sucks about the days gone too for people who are looking forward to it. All right. Let's move on to the next news article. E3 2021 has been confirmed. 
And Swinney is flying over as our correspondent uh, live for the digital show in LA. Uh, so following leaked <laughs> plans back in Feb, the ESA has officially announced that E3 2021 is indeed happening as a digital-only event. So last year's E3, which came after the pandemic, was cancelled completely, both as a live show and no online show to replace it. Uh, whereas this year they have organised an online event that will be free. That's all I've said so far about that. Uh, there have been other reports that maybe there will be components that will be paid, but they have not spoken about that. It's only been said as free so far, and it's going to run from the 16th to the 15th of Feb 2021 this year. Uh, they have had some large companies uh, say that they will be a part of E3. So Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, interesting. Ubisoft, Take-Two, WB Games, and Coke Media. Um, Coke. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Coke. Uh, you idiot. Uh, as always, Sony, which has already pulled out of E3 before anyway, uh, have not entered back in. Uh, and there are some other major studios that or publishers that haven't been participating in E3. Although it feels like they have, but it's more just they've run shows on the side. Things like Devolver Digital, uh, Activision, E3, uh, not E3, EA, etc. So, but they will run, I'm sure, some of their large announcements in the E3 timing window as well. Swinney, are you going to uh, watch all of these uh, events live? Well, he has to. He's our correspondent. Exactly. You're our correspondent. I've somehow been given that job without my knowledge, but that's okay. <laughs> Volun- uh, voluntold. Oh, look, I'd, I'd <laughs> hope that we all are interested in watching certain parts of it, especially the conferences. Yeah. Generally speaking, the conferences in the past have been have run pretty pretty early in the morning over here but mm. not so like generally like maybe like 1 a.m 2 a.m or something so sometimes I'll, I'll manage to do it um but it really depends obviously on uh, on the timing and their schedule um but yeah i'm 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 pumped for for some game announcements honestly it feels obviously 2020 hasn't helped in a lot of ways for game development but um i'm i'm excited to get some some really cool stuff on the horizon so yeah, I think it, it's starting to normalize a bit because I think last year with the cancellation of E3 and just how the pandemic is hitting everyone differently, it really almost thinned out the news in the sense of you just had constant small announcements all the time, which, you know, for a show like ours that's weekly, it's good. Um, but in the old days, I think there was a concentration around E3. I'm sure that people could have announced things earlier, but they were sort of like, oh, we're, you know, three months away from E3. Why don't we schedule it for E3? and just have a big bang announcement then. So, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. It's weird for us, just selfishly as a show, because it's going to start basically when we record, like around that time. Mm. So, I mean, it, it's good and bad because it means that the following week we can do a pretty um, accurate playback of all the things that got announced at E3, because we'll have the time to do it. It won't be like a mad scramble. Uh, unless they have some major announcements earlier, maybe some shows... Uh, gone earlier, you know, maybe Activision and EA will do some announcements leading up to uh, E3, I'm not sure. Well, I've heard that the week prior, at least a number of days prior, there's going to be media stuff happening. Oh, so okay, we'll probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some big stuff leak in in leading up to that weekend. So. Are yeah. we officially part of the media now? No. Damn. We're outsiders, independent outsiders. <sighs> Who just piss off everyone. We're, I, we're, I've already been banned from Xbox PR. We're the fringe. Yeah. 
Don't get near Kotaku. <laughs> no, no, that's easy to not get near it. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I, I like E3. Like, forget about its whole history and run and leaking media. Yeah, or, or would you want to be in the media? They leaked all the media details the other year when they ran it. I don't know if you remember that, Mike. No. They Their website was not, like, secure, so... Oh, wow. People got access to personal phone that. numbers of journalists and oh, everything. Oh, actually, yes, yes. Yeah. I do remember that. There was a huge yeah. issue with that, yes. And I pretty much that. every yeah, single yeah. female journalist had to change her number. That's nuts. It's disgusting. Um, but, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Like, I'm already... I was thinking about it in the car this morning. I was like, oh, I, you know, look at Nintendo. Because Nintendo is going to be a part of E3. They actually weren't a part of E3 last time. Um, and it, it's kind of exciting to go, oh, okay, maybe they'll... You know, announce Zelda 2, or like Breath of the Wild 2, I should say, you know? So I'm already getting into that kind of hype, and it's still, what, two months away? So, no, it's cool. I like it. And they've said, you know, they've said free online event, and then, as you mentioned, there's been rumors around potential, you know, like paywalls and stuff, and I think there's wording that's since come out in uh, media, like one sheets and stuff that pretty much clarifies that there will not be paid wall content. Um, it's been, it's, I can't remember the exact, I can't remember the exact wording, but it sounds pretty set now that that is not the case. Okay, good. So business wise, I think that would be a really stupid choice on their part. Um, just because I think with last year, not running a digital event, I think that was a, a mistake. And then, you know, doing that this year, I think you're just going to create a lot of bad will with people. I think I think the smart way to do it would be allow media to use things like Stadia or GeForce Now or, you know, the online streaming things to allow play, them to play the demos. Mm. For people to hear about, oh, you know, the media got to play the demos. I want to play the demos. And then for next year, then, them to go, well, you know, people want to be able to play the demos. It costs money to run that. So we're going to charge some money to do that. You know, I think that's the way you'd play it out from a business sense if you're smart. And maybe well, that's they what have, they're doing. No, that makes sense. And they do have the tiered access for, for media. So they might actually do something like yeah. that. Well, that's what it, that week, especially that week leading up to. Like, they mm-hmm. 100% will be doing that. Like, they will and they will do and things stuff. like your Parsec and, and your... Yeah. Well, you I don't know, know if they've announced that, though. Because I was listening to some media, like, you know, gaming podcasts, but, you know, from media companies. And they're not sure at this stage if that's how it's going to work. Are they... Uh, look, I'm... I'm pretty certain they will be doing that. I, I totally agree with you, Swinney. Totally agree that I think that that's what's going to happen. That's what it would be shocking if they didn't do it like that. Mm. And I, I think it would be really cool in the future if you could just play it like that. Like, I'd pay for that. I'm not sure. Like, how much would you guys pay for just say it was like one week's access to the demos and, you know, unfinished Nothing. games? I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't I mean, pay? I have to do it now. I have to do it now because I'm have to do it for the show. But otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Well, that's the thing. I can wait another week. Who gives a shit? Oh, I definitely wouldn't do it if I didn't have the podcast. But, Swinney, how much would you pay for one week's access? What would it be the max number? 20 bucks. Swinney. For one week access, are they so... It's like to demos and games that might never come out. Are they games that they announce at the event that we haven't heard? Then, uh, then, I don't know, like, yeah, 30 bucks maybe? Yeah, I'd probably go about 30, 35 or something. I feel like 50 is crazy. 40? Would you do 50? No. Even for the show, I feel like 50 is just like a joke. But I don't know, 30, 34, 95 Australian. Yeah, I'll probably do that. 95. <laughs> I don't know. Just looking in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I probably would do that in the end. For 90, 50, 95. Nah. That's it for me. How much? 1995. Okay, fair enough. You are yeah. cheap. So, no, you know what? I'm, and, and 
I'll do it as a segue. So people who are watching the clip on YouTube will need to search for our uh, coverage on PAX. <laughs> and, you know, it's probably going to come out in random time. So just watch the full show. Uh, but we'll go to the next story, which is PAX. So PAX Australia, uh, you know, we did talk about wanting to get tickets to PAX. Uh, it, so the first time they PAX Australia, which is running from the 8th to the 10th of October in Melbourne, uh, that the site basically crashed under the, the, the demand. So we couldn't get tickets first round. So, uh, Mike and I are looking to go. And then this time the site basically crashed again, but in a different way. So, <laughs> you know, we're not going to have any access to PAX because they're going to hate us after this, <laughs> this segment. Shh. Don't tell them what you But did. we are fiercely independent on uh, Big Week in Gaming. So they said that they're going to build all the infrastructure from scratch, all this kind of stuff. That's their wording. I didn't say that. They, get it. they said, we're going to mm-hmm. build it from the ground up. That's what they said. Now, that's not true. So of course all, it wasn't all true. All we ticket, knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> all the ticket infrastructure was exactly the same. Because <sighs> I actually got through most of the process last time and then it crashed. So it was exactly the same. The one thing that they did is they used another provider to put a queue in front of that website. So the Info Salons website, which okay. is a ticket website, they put a yeah. separate provider's service and whacked in some like JavaScript over the top of it. And then basically as soon as you went on that website, it would just throw you into a queue. And then it would like give you some cookies to say, yeah, yeah, you're cool. You're allowed to go on it now. Bang, it'll, it'll put you on it. But the problem was people joined. There was like 4,000 people in the queue from the start when it went on sale the other day. Um, but, you know, me being like a little, you know, tinkerer, tinkerer in yeah, the old tinkerer, days. Yeah, that's the word for it, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, this this seems like silly. Why are you forcing me to do this? I don't like, you know, and then it's failing. All right, let me play around with it a little bit. And, yeah, basically, you know, by accident, of course. I didn't do it intentionally. Oh, it just, just fell on the keyboard. <laughs> exactly. My fingers fell on the keyboard in certain patterns and I was looking at the traffic that was coming in through my browser and, oh, yeah, maybe I'll block that and I'll block this and, oh, I'm on the website and I was able to buy tickets straight away. <laughs> so, Back yeah, up. I bought... I bought <laughs> people are going to hate us. Do you know what I was say, because I, I was on the PAX site like looking for imagery and stuff for this segment and I... If you go on the PAX, it, it, by the way, if anyone from PAX Australia it happens to come across this clip, here's your chance to fix this. You go on the PAX site, which is Oz, uh, aus.paxsite.com, yeah. then they've got three-day badge, 80% sold out, book now. That button takes you to the 2019 events <laughs> on the homepage. It's what? the biggest thing. No, it doesn't, go, does it? Yes, it does. You click on book now. No, it's and- doing 2021 for me. Book Maybe now. they fixed it. Well, maybe, maybe it's cash, but for me, it oh, takes wait, me to... Oh, if you click to, book now. Okay, I click yes, book now. It takes wow. you to PAX oh, Australia 2019. It does. <laughs> Holy shit. That, you're right, sweetie. Yeah. That's so funny. No, because I clicked on the three-day thing. You're right. That's there you go, PAX Australia. We should reach out to them and they'll, they'll like us then. Yeah, they'll <laughs> actually let you go in. <laughs> so, so, Mike, did you, did you get a ticket? Well, I think I got a ticket through, through Intergod. Yeah. I mean, I sent him money for it. Yeah, you did get a ticket. I have got two no tickets. idea if I got a ticket, though, but I think, yeah, he did. He said he got two tickets. Otherwise, he just took my money and ran. <laughs> Which I'm likely to do as well. Um, that's interesting, Swinny, that, that it's like that. That's funny. 
So, yeah, and all that, like, tomfoolery that I did, and it took hours for people to get tickets because they're stuck in these queues and then it would bomb them out when they went to pay. Mm. So then they had to start it from the start again. And then we just find out that there's still tickets available for the three-day events. So, yeah, the mad rush wasn't even uh, necessary necessarily. Um, but well, yeah, there's so, probably there's still the 4,000 people waiting in queue. Maybe, maybe. I'm just seeing if I can uh, message them directly, but they don't have their DMs open uh, packs. So you, you gotta you gotta learn how to slide into their DMs. Well, I can't because they yeah. don't they don't they're not following us. They barely follow yeah. anyone, and uh, yeah, I'll just have to message them directly on Twitter. Maybe it was done that way just to like cull the herd. Like if you couldn't oh, yeah. figure it out, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't deserve to go to packs. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys looking forward to it then? I am. I am. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, why it links in cool. with the last segment is that. I was like, oh, maybe they'll announce Breath of the Wild 2 at E3 and then they'll have a playable demo of PAX. Ooh. Damn. Yeah, Possibly. That'd, that'd be cool to see if I like it more or not. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> so Swinney is not a real big... Okay, let, let's let the audience in on this. So I'm in Sydney and you two are in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. We'll only go as far as that. Hence the heating. Yeah. Well, it's cold in Sydney as well. Uh, and... So I have to fly down, I've, you know, family, kids, blah, 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 you know, all this drama to set it all up. But, I, you know, I'll do it for the show, do it for the listeners, do it for the love. And then Swinney, on the other hand, easily could get there. What is it, 20 minutes to get there for you, Swinney? If that, if that. Yeah, about 20, yeah. And just like, pfft, nah, forget about it. <laughs> Not doing it. What do you Not mean? I got, it. What do you mean? I got my tickets. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just, I was on there. I'm like, oh, I'll just buy a ticket. You know, we should have thought that the fact that he's on the site. He never does anything unless he's going to. That is a good point, actually. No, actually, I've been. some shitty detective work Actually, I've been on the PAX Australia site many times to get imagery. So that wasn't a lie. But um, There you go. Look at that. But he got tickets. I just went on there. I'm like, oh, I'll buy tickets. But wait, did you get tickets to the 2021 and 2019 one? But I was like, oh, that wasn't hard. (laughs) I just bought a ticket. Oh, the hell. Mean, meanwhile, Intergod had to do all these hacks, <laughs> changes network traffic. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my God. Write all these Python scripts. <laughs> Go yeah. on, on the roof of his house, fixes his, his antenna. I was, I was actually thinking... Communicates with some satellite. I was thinking, geez, should I even mention this story? But the fact that people can still buy tickets, I don't feel like it's that bad now nah, to mention fine. it. Yeah. But I may have not mentioned it if it was sold out. <laughs> <laughs> I might have refrained. Because <laughs> I was like, ooh, when, it's, when I saw, ooh, shoot, people might miss out. This is probably not going to look so good. Oh, cool. So the whole Bigwig crew is going to be there. Yeah. Right, oh, I'm not going with you guys. I'm going by myself. <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> he would actually do that as well. He you know, probably he would. would too, yeah. Did you get three-day tickets <laughs> or just a one-day? Sorry, I was adjusting my chair. Um, I, uh, I just bought it for the one-day. I don't know what day it was. Which day? Nah, it was, all, it was three days. Oh. <laughs> I just keep wanting to just keep messing with you guys. Well, oh, that's exciting. Well, let's wear let's wear some uh, big wig shirts, and yeah. then anyone who's listening, they can come up to us because I love talking to random people. Oh, that's yeah. totally no, true. He does, especially <laughs> outside schools. That's totally gonna happen. What's gonna happen? Ah, whatever. Let's move no, on. People, right. people are super friendly at those. All right. when, if, when I was someone, there. You have to make a bet now, Swinney, because you're like, as if that's going to happen. This is the second time you wanted to bet. You've got a problem. Well, you've got a big mouth, then you've got to back it up. (laughs) 
doesn't mean I have to bet about it. Well, you got to back it up. Back it up if you, nah. you make a big claim. I, I prefer to run my mouth. Wait, 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 what's the, the bet? What's the bet? What's He's the saying bet? no one what's will come bet? up to us. Now people right? will come up to so us. So if someone right, comes up to us. Yeah, because we're going to look like three idiots. All right. Let's three stupid t shirts. All right, we're all looking forward to PAX Australia. So that's. Uh... Well, two of us are more than one, one of the others. <laughs> I wouldn't say who. We're going to force him to wear a big wig shirt. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get on to the next story. Uh, so this week, Nintendo Shadow dropped a new Battle Royale game following on from Tetris 99 and Super Mario Bros. 35. Pac Man 99. Uh, and basically, uh, you know, Shadow dropped and released the very next day. It actually has a really a lot of really cool mechanics in terms of how it works. So I'm a big fan of Pac-Man, uh, but the Battle Royale version, it's quite interesting where collecting the pallets, it's not just the sort of obvious thing where, you know, you can eat the ghost. It actually then creates, you know, sort of like other little, well, I can't remember what the, the name of it is in its when It's almost like little shadow ghosts or sleeping ghosts or ghost train. If, if you read my notes. It's oh, yeah, yeah. Man. You've written it all down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can create a ghost train. I don't know. It just looks really, really cool. But as I've been playing all the game of some other week games, I've actually not even played one second of this game. So I'm hoping one of you two guys have actually played this. Nope. Mike? <laughs> no. Yeah, me. Sure. Yeah, you know how much I love these games. you got to do it for the show. How about you, Swinny? Well, first of all, you know my thoughts on Tetris 99 and Mario 35. So honestly, I was like, oh, Intergod's going to be the one to play this. I'm normally the well, one so who does. Your thoughts are the same as my thoughts. Yeah. I'm normally the one who always yeah. plays these kind of things Thank you. for the show. And then this week I couldn't and you guys did me a dirty. <laughs> I'm always happy. Well, I'm happy that these things come out for the people that love them. They're just not yeah, my jam. Mm, and honestly, yeah. you know, I've said it before. I like the look of the stadium. Um, what is it that they released in November? Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle. That that was a 64-player battle royale, but that looked cooler to me than this. But this is obviously in Nintendo's or Arika's style, so I understand why it's different. Yeah, I actually like this one a lot more because I don't like how the other one you go through the tunnels to go to the other stages, whereas this is still kind of like Pac-Man, but you know, getting the power pallets, you can send ghosts to other people. So I don't know. It just it looks really cool. It looks. Like, I'm definitely going to play this. And one thing I should shout out to, and I know people who are old like me will appreciate this, it's actually one of the advantages of having it as a Joy-Con because the Joy-Cons have buttons instead of a D-pad. Now, a D-pad usually makes a lot more sense, but actually having buttons for this is way better for Pac-Man <laughs> because it means that you can send a very specific direction. Like, you know, normally with like analog sticks or even D-pads, because it's an eight-way gate, Hmm. it actually can have a, you know, if you're pressing down left, what is the game supposed to interpret that as when it only has four directions, right? Well, it's got a bit more than four directions. A D-pad. Because it can interpret the exact angle. Not a D-pad. Not on a D-pad, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying a D-pad, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because D-pads are eight-way, right? So... yeah, yeah. Yeah, analog in a weird way is kind of easier, quote unquote, because it's the angle, like you're saying. But on a D-pad, these kind of games aren't as good, in my opinion, as a four-way gate. You know, like the arcade sticks that only allow up, down, left, right. So it actually is a cool thing. I'll probably play this on my Joy-Cons, and then, therefore, why am I getting a Hori Split Pad Pro? (laughs) Because that has a D-pad on it. (laughs) No, so I can't believe it. I, I was literally thinking of playing this game before the show, like... 
delaying the show for like 10 minutes Should've. so I'd played this Should've. game. Should've. Would you have expected me to play this game after? I yeah, thought same. for the show. After, I thought after for the love of the show. After my thoughts on yeah. this and how much I love the other ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, honest, you know what I'd try out 100% is if they do a Donkey Kong version. Because I love Donkey Kong. But, but, uh, uh, yeah, well, you could do it with the barrels. Oh, 100% you could do a Donkey Kong version. That'd be cool, yeah. actually. Damn, I like that. Now, yeah. I hope now you've willed coming. that into existence. It's coming. Oh, that's, a lot of people... It's going to come. A lot of people have come up, come up with that idea. No, so no, it's you not did. me you originally. Did. Exclusive oh, yeah. on Big Wing. Exclusive Big Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey actually, Kong 99. And because we're, we're nerds and we're playing through the Donkey Kong Country series... So we've only got one more game to go, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That's uh, episode 52 on the 11th of July. I also noted that it's the 40th anniversary on the 9th of July this year. Oh. For uh, Donkey Kong. So maybe, Swinney. Donkey Kong 40. Well, I'd love... Not love, but I would have loved to get the... If they did a game and watch of that over the Mm. game, which is Mario Brothers. But uh, it'd be cool if they did that as well, of course. So you got to buy another game and watch? (laughs) Well, if it's Donkey Kong, it's probably okay. better to play, but we'll see. If it comes with an alarm, maybe. <laughs> That's awesome. Another one. That's and the I'll, third one. I'll do my research this time. Hey, uh, so I get I get why you've got Pac-Man 99 and then you've got Tetris 99, and I get why they have Mario Bros. 35, mm. but I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a missed opportunity to have the whole series as 99. Oh, you okay. Know? That was your whole and point. That, that was my whole point. Now they missed it because of Mario. God, do you know how long that would take with the way that Mario yeah. 35 worked? Oh, my God. Yeah. No, but it yeah, makes I sense because it's 35, I right? I guess it would. Well, of course, it makes sense why it's 35, yeah. And it would make sense, like you said, for it to be 40 with Donkey Kong. So that could be kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's too many as well, though, to be honest, if the barrels are coming at you because it'd be like an insane amount of barrels. Um, yeah, no, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing this. Very disappointed that you guys aren't Pac-Man so fans. First on the first, uh, hey, 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 we're, we're exclusive, Pac-Man fans. We're not fans of exclusive online. on the show. No one has played it. Next yep. segment. <laughs> That's exclusive. Wow, what a great announcement! If you're finding this on YouTube, please give us hell for it. Leave the most negative comments you can. Give us, give us all the thumbs down. You possibly can. Can I? Can I just say? I don't we'd, know why. We'd appreciate it. I don't know why, but you guys get so much more hate than me in the comments, and yeah, I feel how do like you not get I any? feel like I'm much hate more hateable, and I know that, and I own that, and I'm fine with that. That's weird. I'm an old person. Well, I'm, I'm I'm accustomed to myself, but I don't I, feel like I've had as much hate anymore, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Swinny gets the most hate. It's only because of one video. <laughs> one video uh, yeah. No, I think you've it's got some hate from other stuff, but yeah. Uh, I've got a list. I've got the hate list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, let's move on it to... feels good not to be the most hated one. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to uh, the Swinney segment. Uh, so Mass Effect remasters. Swinney, do you want to take this away? Yeah, so this week, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, we've got just a boatload of details essentially everything we would want to know about what they've changed they've uh they've told us now and alongside that ign has an awesome 10 minute video um going through their hands-on experience with um you know big time fan of of the mass effect series uh you know detailing everything which is great as well um so i just quickly want to cover the stuff some of the stuff that we already knew so you know the game's coming out on ps4 xbox one and pc there's no dedicated uh ps5 or series x version Includes all the games plus 40 DLC, doesn't include a pinnacle station. 
developed on Unreal Engine 3, just like the originals. It's 4K, HDR, textures upscaled by AI. Um, we know it's running on 60 frames a second on PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, and PC. Don't know if we've had confirmation yet on the base consoles. Um, there's a shared character creator and standard sh- uh, default Shepard models across all the ga- three games now. And Mass Effect 1 is getting the most changes with uh, essentially massively reworked visuals and entirely new HUD redesign. And there's also no multiplayer for Mass Effect 3. And there's a whole bunch of specific Mass Effect 1 details that um, we also knew about, like the fact that elevator sequences basically can load way quicker now and you can skip them or stay in there to listen to the flavor announcements from uh, when you're in the elevator. Dedicated melee button, improved cover system, inventory improvements to basically bring in line with what the, the better PC version was like. Just a whole bunch of changes that we kind of already knew about, but this week they've actually essentially just given us the rest of it. And some of this stuff is really, really cool. Um, and they talk about it in that IGN video. And some of the stuff is, well, we'll talk about it. Um, so some of the big highlights um, from the article that they put up on the EA website is that there's a new unified launcher and unified setting, a universal settings for all three games, which is great. So you only have to essentially, you know, set your controls and everything within one place, which is fantastic. There's a reworked achievement list that basically they bundle it all into the trilogy. Obviously, that means there's a lot of redundant ones across the games because there's cross-game progression. So something that might be, hey, to kill 250 enemies, that's now across all three games, which is really, really good. Um, there's also native controllers uh, uh, support for PC as well as 21 uh, by 9 support for resolutions. But... Now we actually get into the, I guess, the the nitty gritty and some of the stuff that was I was really, really wanting to hear about, which is what they've done to Mass Effect One specifically gameplay wise. So they've detailed a lot of stuff under what they call combat tuning. So essentially, they've reduced some of the RPG combat mechanics, specifically around uh, accuracy penalties, to make the gameplay more like Mass Effect Two and Three. Um, as part of that, also aim down sights or ADS has been made more accurate, and uh, there's a improvements to aim assist and things like that, and also like weapon sway. So sniper rifles had a huge weapon sway in uh, the first Mass Effect. So apparently that's been removed. So it sounds like it's just been taken out. Um, the rebalance a whole bunch of abilities. Um, all enemies take headshot damage. And a big thing that I'm glad that they've confirmed as well is that it still uses the ammo cooldown system. Um, which means is you know you don't pick up ammo like you do in Mass Effect Two and Three. It's just all weapons cool down, but they cool down much faster now. Um, so they did previously mention they're making improvements to the Mako controls, but now they've actually detailed and apparently they're still working on it a little bit. But um, they've massively improved the controls. It feels wet, the vehicle feels weightier, um, has a faster shield recharge. Uh, and has an additional boost to basically mean, you know, often in Mass Effect 1, you'd get stuck trying to scale a mountain and you'd just be, oh my God, this is taking forever. So they've got a boost to really help with that and also just, you know, just get around faster as well. And you don't die instantly in lava anymore. You just take damage. So that's cool. Now, there are some other changes, but I just wanted to, I guess, throw to Mike. Um, What are your thoughts about this so far and how it's shaping up? Yeah, really, really positive. Um, I... I mean, I like the the combat tuning stuff that they spoke about. The fact that he can do headshots is really, really cool. Um, well, you could before, but this is to all enemies now. All enemies. Yeah, types. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I meant. So that I think that's a huge pro. Um, 
I think, I mean, in terms of the abilities rebalancing, I, I, I'm going to wait and see how that's actually going to play out because some of the crazy stuff you could do that from memory were almost game breaking. If they rebalance that to be a bit more fair, I think it's kind of cool, but at the same time, you might miss out on some really crazy things that you used to be able to do. Um, and the cooldown system being faster, I remember you could make some crazy tweaks where you'd get a really high powerful uh, gun and some of the mods you could put on it would basically make it overheat instantly. But if they kind of reduce stuff like that, you could get some crazy cool powerful weapons. Uh, so I think some of that stuff's really cool. Um I, I, the Mako stuff, I was one of the people that actually didn't mind the Mako all that much. Isn't to be it honest, Mako? But Mako, Mako, Mako. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm a fan of improving anything like that. So it's 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 huge positives, I think. And the the actual gameplay footage that um, IGN had showed off was pretty cool, um, both graphically and also just just little tweaks. And one of the things I think you'll you're probably going to talk about next is some of the. Uh, the level design tweaks with the geometry and stuff, which I think is really cool. Just little, they're like more like quality of life stuff in that sense. But I think it's, it, it makes a huge improvement, especially for people that only started playing the game now. And one of the biggest things I think, which was kind of, I think maybe talked about earlier, but it was definitely featured in this video as well, was that really long elevator loading scene. So there's an infamous part where there's this elevator and really the reality is the elevator wasn't there for looks. It was mostly there because they needed to load the assets. Well, it's anytime you, anytime and, you're in the Citadel and jump in an elevator. Yeah. So. Um, and they had to do that just purely from, from, from a performance perspective. Whereas now you can pretty much just press the button and you, you're in cause it can load it so much quicker. So I think that's going to be a really cool uh, quality of life improvement, but at the same time, it's, you know, it was cool back in the day, the memes it would create, and you kind of got a little bit of relaxation as you're going up that that elevator. And it introduced a bit more realism because, you know, it takes time to go up an elevator. So, I don't know. We'll see how stuff like that goes. But overall, super positive. I'm really looking forward to this one. You know, due, due to the elevator stuff, has anyone ever built like a 3D model of how big the Citadel is? Because <laughs> like the speed that the elevator is going, it's going to be like kilometers tall. I don't know if they did. Oh, well, well the Citadel is, is, is gigantic. It is gigantic. So. Wow. It <laughs> is like kilometers tall. But yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really maybe make sense the way the elevator actually works. But yeah. And Tony, apologies if I missed it. So the game's coming out. Uh, May 14, this yes, year, 2021. I didn't, yeah, I didn't bring that up uh, this time, but yeah, uh, very soon. Which is Yeah, a month away. It's kind of yeah. crazy, actually. I'm You're s- looking forward to it probably almost the most into God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really and you know what's really funny? Because I actually do have Mass Effect 1 and 2 on 360, and I played only parts of Mass Effect 1, so maybe five hours of it or so. Mm-hmm. And I actually hated the Mako, the way it drove and oh, things wow. like that. Like, absolutely hated it. And I didn't like the combat as well. Like, I felt it to just be really clunky, and I just threw, like put the game down. Like, oh, it's kind of annoying me, so I'll pick it up later. And then, you know, 10 years later, (laughs) I've not played it. (laughs) So I know that for purists, and I'm sure if I played the game, you know, well, I did play the game, but if I completed the game when it came out, Hmm. I might be like, oh, I don't like these changes. But honestly, someone who's not attached to it, hearing about some of the changes they're making, the quality quality of life improvements, for me, it's it's just going to give the game way more chance of, you know, me falling in love with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I- and it's it's interesting because I don't know how you feel about it, Swinney, but to me, Mass Effect One is probably my favorite in the series and one of my favorite games of all time. So it's going to be interesting to see it change. Um, you- but I think they're all improvements from what I can see. So I have no issues with it. Yeah, like Mass 
we've mentioned it before when we talked about it. Mass Effect One is easily my favorite of the series, but I just quickly wanted to cover some of the other changes they're making before mm-hmm. I give my thoughts around the combat tuning stuff. So, there we talked about the geometry. So the IGN video actually spends quite a bit of time on talking about specifically the Novaria hub and how there's this wall that they essentially put in there just to allow the game to load its assets um, better and stream it in. And essentially, they said, well, that wall doesn't need to be there anymore so they're actually making some really really good geometry changes and actually adding like just a lot more flavor to the environment with Mm. um like light new massive light fixtures and everything so they've done a lot of work in the actual look levels Um, pads on the on the couches let's not forget that one there's there's padded couches now, which is good. <laughs> Makes sense. So one of the one of the things that I'm actually really, really happy about is that Shepard can now sprint out of combat, which makes just getting around, especially in the Citadel, just yeah. it's going to be much better. Um, they've taken away class-specific weapons, which is an interesting choice. I'll see whether or not I like that or not when I actually go to play this. But When I saw the, that, Swinney, I, I thought of you. I was like, oh, Swinney's <laughs> going to have an opinion on this. So, well, yeah, anyway, so the... Inventory items, this is a huge one. This is the kind of improvement I want, wanted them to make, and I'm so glad they did. You can essentially tag uh, inventory items as junk and then nice. bulk convert to Omnigel or bulk sell to vendors and everything, and you can also sort vendor uh, inventories, which is great. Um, you can now independently command squad mates, which is just fantastic. Um, the XP progression, this is interesting, has been rebalanced. So you essentially can get to higher level and get higher level builds within your first playthrough whereas before it would take multiple playthroughs to get to that point and because they've removed the level cap for that first playthrough um so they've uh, in terms of the other games so mass effect 2 and 3 haven't had as much done but they've made uh mass effect 2 they've made a lot of the outfits look a lot better and they've also increased the ammo drop rate, which is fantastic because that's one of the things I didn't like much about a Mass Effect 2 is that sometimes it just felt like you're running around trying to search for this random ammo thing that you saw three rooms back. Um, <laughs> and specifically for people using sniper rifles, they're really, really increasing that. And with Mass Effect 3, they essentially they're not making a lot of changes to that because it was probably the most polished visually, especially, and probably gameplay-wise um, when it came out. But... Interestingly, the Galaxy at War um, feature, so that's where it basically says, okay, how ready are you to tackle the Reapers? And it factors in decisions from previous games, but also all the stuff you're doing in Mass Effect 3 to a readiness um, meter. Um, That meter was also previously influenced by multiplayer stuff, so obviously that stuff is no longer in there. But now they've made it so the content from the first two games um, adds to that readiness a lot more. So if you only play Mass Effect 3... It, you actually essentially have to do everything in the game to get that meter up. Otherwise, you know, they've, they've made that a lot more impactful for people to play through the trilogy. So now that we've actually got through all the details, which is a lot, which is, <laughs> it's great. The fact that they put this out there before the game came out is fantastic. I just wanted to talk about the combat tuning part. This is what I was concerned about as someone that loves Mass Effect 1's gameplay the most. Um, but I am very happy to hear that they're making these changes for everyone else. I've said that before. I'm happy they're making these changes, but it's just from reading it, it's not the kind of thing I wanted them to do, but Mm. I also haven't played the game yet. I could very much change my tune when I I realize, okay, this is a better experience as you know, when you're playing the game, the thing Mm. for me is the fact that they're reducing things like accuracy penalties that 
that is kind of what it it's becoming it's essentially becoming a shooter with rpg elements as opposed to rpg with shooter elements which so you mean like mass effect 3 well two and three um and, two, yeah. and as i said it makes sense it's what everyone else wants um i don't know how i feel about it yet when if i would have read this news back before that showed any footage or you know when they first announced it i would have been probably quite like what the hell what were they changing it so much but since I've seen all the work that they've been that they've put into the rest of it, and I've kind of had time to really, I guess you know, not be um, petty about it, um, I understand it's for the, it's for the better because you've also always got the ability to play the original. You know, it's not like that game's gone. Yeah, exactly. So I yeah, with the as you said, into got the class specific weapon restrictions. I don't know how I feel about that yet because um, it's been a while since I played the first Mass Effect, so I don't know if that would was. Is maybe that was just a minor annoyance, and it's better to actually give all classes the ability to use them. That um, was a big annoyance for me. I think I, I don't like games that restrict you like that. Um, I get why some games would do it potentially, but in a game like this, it didn't feel like there was a reason for it. If that made well, sense. Well, the reason is that you've got to build, and it's an RPG. So you, yeah, so like, it's, yeah, absolutely. like a lot but, of RPGs, you builds will only be able to use certain equipment. But I mean, it, what it comes down to is is ultimately personal choice. If you want to still feel that you want to have a build, then you can artificially restrict yourself by just not using those weapons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Without having the game force that up on you. So I, I never saw a reason why a game would do that. That's that's why, you know, if, if I think about uh, just a really quick parallel to games like why Skyrim I quite enjoyed, it's because it doesn't restrict you with anything. There's no... You build your character however yeah. you want to build and, and you it become proficient in yeah. and it grows in the direction you want it to as opposed to restricting you just because you made a stupid choice at the start of the game. Yeah, that's fair enough. But yeah, yeah. I think that... Yeah, great great work that they've been, that's been put into this. I, I really hope... They said just in general, so one thing I didn't mention is across the trilogy apparently they fixed a crap load of bugs which those games especially mass effect one were buggy as fuck so i'm really 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 glad that they've they're still quite like you you know we said but it wasn't buggy like unplayable put this game down this is trash it was just mostly kind of funny mostly i'll just reload that bit it wasn't it was really weird it never to me i remember playing it and maybe because i was so engrossed in the game and visually it was so amazing that I never really felt like it was a deal breaker, the bugs in that game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, when when you've when you're hovering above the galaxy map in the <laughs> Normandy for the tenth time and you're like, Oh, I've got to reload my save file, I hope I've saved yeah, okay, recently, was, you know. It may have been a little um, annoying. Yeah, so I'm glad they're fixing that stuff. It is amazing how the love for the game can really determine the fandom being on one side of the equation versus the other, like the Skyrim mm. side of uh, it's kind of funny that there's so many bugs or the cyberpunk side where it's like, oh, this game is broken. It should be pulled from the store. It's <laughs> kind of the same stuff, but just based on the love of it. You know, can I just say like, so I'm definitely going to get this game. So whatever I say now, you know, it's sort of in that knowledge as well. But mm. whenever they were showing like how the game looked to how it looks now, and I, when I see those type of things, I try not to look at which version they're talking about and just look at them, right? <laughs> And often I found myself liking the original, the original 360 version. <laughs> wow. And I found it was like more artistry of the lighting and how they did certain things than, you know, putting this kind of up res on it and just, you know, blasting new visual effects on it. And it's like, oh, okay. I actually like the 360 one, not the, 
<laughs> not the new 4K version. So, but I, like I said, I'm going to get this game. I don't think I'm going to get a day one, honestly, unless it comes mm. down in price. It's Yeah, that's... That's the interesting thing, isn't it? The it's price. too expensive for me. Like it's coming down in price a little bit, but I'm I feel like have to get it. It's going to go price. down in price later, but I'll just see how I'm placed at the time because it's only a month away. I still mm. think I'll be playing probably Dark Souls at that time. So, but yeah, it sounds like we're all going to get this at some stage oh, for sure. Yeah, is it is it is it day one for you, Swinny? No, I think that I'll probably just wait a little bit. I might Ooh. no, I might buy it, but I probably won't play it. If that makes okay. sense, what? Like, you should wait and then buy it when it's. Cheaper. Well, it depends. I don't know. I have to check it if there's. Yes. I know they've got the fancy special editions, but I just have to check if there's any like smaller like steelbook editions or anything like that. Are uh, there? I, I know what you mean. Think, I, I think they might have been sold out. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah we'll I, we'll see. We'll see. I'm let, let me know if you well ever need because, those things because I'll keep an eye out for you. I always see those uh, things. Yeah, up. keep an eye out for me. Um, because it is one of the rare things that I would be willing to get a, a different you know, special edition just because I'd keep it. But see, to me, this is an interesting one because it's a game that I hold so dear to my heart that I feel I only really want to play it when I can do it justice, when my mind is cleared and when I don't Mm. have a backlog of stuff and when I don't have all these other things in my personal life and work life that I have to deal with, of which there's a lot at the moment, that if I get the game in the next few weeks, I would likely not really be able to enjoy it properly. Yeah. So I feel like I need to probably, for my own sake, save it to like, do you, do you know I mean, that, you know what I mean? When you're in, you're in that state of mind where you're relaxed and you can really enjoy the experience and, and it can take you back properly and you get that nostalgic kick. Otherwise, it's just going to ruin it, I think. So Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is actually... So they haven't been officially announced in Australia... There is a crazy sort of replica kit that they're releasing, like a collector's edition, for the legendary edition. I'm well, just, uh... that's the one we talked about previously, I think. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. shit. So okay. Mike, Mike went into a lot of detail about that last uh, in when mm. we covered it last time. But anyway, that's that's fine. I think it's time to move on. So yeah, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. All right, yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. All right, moving on to our next story, Animal Crossing, Build-A-Bear. We're all hotly anticipating this. So uh, Build-A-Bear, as they have done, they've done cross-promotions, collabs with uh, lots of different brands, including Star Wars. So my wife has a Darth Bear that she... Because you, you can select how much you fluffing you want in these things, and she fluffed it up so much that the vinyl material looks like leather, and every time people see it, they think it's like a gimp. Like a Darth, Darth Vader gimp bear. <laughs> can you please? Can you please take a photo of that? She, I think she's hidden it because she, she, oh. she's so self conscious about it. She hates when people mention it, and I, I find would, it hilarious. Would, okay, well then maybe this wouldn't fly, but I'd love that to be one of like the three thumbnail images of the whole show. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a photo of it. Um, I'll ask her for it. So they went on sale in the US and the UK. Pre-orders just absolutely got blasted and sold out. It's probably going to be like 70 bucks. It's probably 75 Australian. Uh, they will be coming out next week for Australia. So by the time we publish it, it will probably be announced. And unfortunately, I think I will have to buy both of them for my wife. Even though she doesn't like, she is obsessed about Animal Crossing. She's not necessarily the biggest fan of Tom Nook or Isabel. <laughs> so it's a bit psycho, but, but yeah. Who, like, come on, like, who, if you're going to do any characters, they're the two that you choose. You know? Oh, 100%. Like, I literally can't think of anyone else that you'd do. 
Like, who else would you do in that series? Well, I'd because I don't I don't think he's in the latest one, but I'd like a Mr. Rossetti one. Uh, Mr. Rossetti is in this one, but it's not okay. as prominent. Like, I mean, what I'm saying is in the Switch, Switch one, um, not not sort of like the older games. It's much more prominent in the GameCube version, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the one that I like is the guy that does a coffee. I can't even remember his bloody name, but he's not in the Switch version as of yet. So yeah, like as I said, I think these look pretty cute. They'll be released next week in Australia, and I'm sure they'll get sold out pretty quickly. So I have to grab them. And and it's a bit weird because in Australia when they launch Build a Bear stuff, it's pretty random the way it works. So sometimes you go in the store, sometimes it's online. It's all a bit over the place. So very very important news update, Swinny, that I thank wanted you. to call out for everyone. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right, we'll go into the next story. Uh, and, and this relates to uh, Elon Musk somehow. So Mike, I want you yes. to take this story away. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So so. Uh... Yeah, so Neuralink, the company that uh, is one of the companies that he's founded, I believe, uh, they created a so they're they're a brain implant technology company, and they posted a really crazy video this week of a monkey, first of all controlling controlling things on the screen with a joystick, and then based on that, they learned which particular parts of the brain uh, get or which neurons get fired. To then be able to allow the monkey to control parts of the screen with with its brain, so they actually unplugged the joystick. The monkey was still using the joystick, but it was doing nothing. It was the whole thing was just with its mind. Now they've done these experiments before, but the part that I found quite interesting is the monkey was then playing pong with its brain, and I found that just mind blowingly fascinating. So. So, with a, so a bit more background, so Neuralink was uh, was founded by Elon Musk in 2016. Um, so the the whole the whole ability to control things with your mind it's they've been researching this stuff not just Neuralink but other other companies have and researchers have in the past been doing this um, for for some time. I think back in the early or mid 2000s, I remember reading something about that um, similar sort of concept. But I think what makes Neuralink really powerful and fascinating it's the fact that it's this this wireless chip that can get embedded in your brain um to to allow you to do these things so back to the monkey it's a bit of a wait, stretch wait, I you've guess. gotta you've gotta yeah you've gotta clarify what do i need to clarify the monkey is named pager thank you very much okay so back to pager <laughs> is it a monkey by the way well it's a it's it's a, a macaque a macaw macaw Oh, yeah. No, no, McCaw. McCaw is not the way that I've heard that it's being pronounced. So. Oh, really? No, McCaw. Oh. McCaw's a bird. Oh, okay. Oh, we're all terrible. It's like a <laughs> McKeck or something. Oh, something like okay. That. Yeah, yeah. We'll correct ourselves next week. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we we'll, we'll have to have uh, a whole. Look, but it, it's part of the monkey family. Actually, it's not a chimp. It wasn't a chimp. No, I actually looked up the pronunciation of it. No joke. Um, and yeah, I forgot it. <laughs> so, that's very helpful. So yeah, it does seem like it's macaque. Yeah, macaque, not macaque. <laughs> Go on, or is it? Oh, it is uh, a monkey, by the way. Well, it's it's a type of monkey anyway. Yeah, so it's it's like I said, it's not a chimp. They didn't they didn't they didn't do this with a chimp. They did mm. it with with a run of the mill monkey. I know. I had all these chimp puns for the thumbnail text, and I'm like, it's not a chimp. Damn it! Damn it! Yeah, we want to be accurate. <laughs> we can't use Mike it. as a thumbnail. <laughs> So, so I, so look, I, f- I found it super fascinating. The technology is absolutely amazing, but 
I feel it's a huge double-edged sword. So my thoughts on it are twofold. One, I can see the implications being super positive for people who suffered from paralysis, um, being able to control things with their mind. That is an immensely powerful idea. And I think it, it could make a lot of people's lives a lot better. The flip side is I fear that like any of these types of technologies, um, once you've done something like this, it just opens up Pandora's box to eventually one day being in some sort of a crazy 1984-esque society where you're pretty much forced to get these implants when you're, when you're a child uh, for, you know, beneficial reasons. Um, and, and the ability to, you know, control your, your movements, record what you do. It's insane what, what this could lead to, unfortunately. So I can see the positives and I can really see how this could lead to a ton of negatives as well. Mm. So I don't what, what do you guys think about that? Uh, Swinny? Oh, well, all right. I'll just say that I think this is bloody awesome. I think this is fantastic. Um, mm. This is going to, if this technology gets to the point where they can make something that can be, you know, give, distributed at a relatively low cost and uh, covered by, you know, things like insurance and, and yeah, care and stuff case, yeah. for, uh, and uh, under, you know, national disability schemes and things like that. This is just going to be life-changing for so many people. Yeah. I think this is fantastic. Um, and the downsides, like those downsides exist for almost every kind of technology. Yeah, of course, yeah. So yeah. I think I... I've seen nothing but uh, awesomeness out of this. So you see nothing but awesomeness. Yeah. See, I see a lot of awesomeness, but I think that the the downsides, yes, they do exist. I mean, you've got that issue with your mobile phone, um, but there's a difference between being able to put your mobile phone down to having a chip implanted in your brain that may or may not be as as secure as you think it is. There's there's so many implications. It's insane. I think with something like this, I don't think we can even cover it on on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, a little bit out of our remit, but a, a little bit. I, but uh, I, I just, yeah, what, just, what are you thinking to go? Yeah, so for me, I think it's very much like the internet, where I think the internet has done an insanely far amount of good than evil, right? And it's yeah. not inherently in itself it's good and evil; it just unlocks the the latent capabilities of people and how they are, right? So people are nasty, some people, and, you know, they're just exacerbated with the internet and cyberbully you two. Not me for some reason. Um, (laughs) But look, like I think this, I I take your points when you're around uh, people with disabilities and I think, you know, anything to help uh, accessibility is always a good thing. Um, You know, and keeping on the gaming note, I think everything that Xbox and Microsoft has done with the, uh, the accessibility controllers has been amazing. And I think all the other uh, developers and and sort of uh, platforms should really push in the same direction or at least allow for uh, Microsoft's sort of adaptive moves controllers and all those types of controllers that they have to be compatible. But I actually think that this is more going to have an impact just on regular folk in terms of, you know, removing barriers. And I'm, I'm huge on, you know, if you remove barriers to things, certain things open up that you never could imagine before. And, you know, like I see people as well, because there's, you know, translating what you want to do in your mind to physical cognitive motion and, you know, fine motor skills and things like that. It can be very difficult, but people can look at a screen and go, I want to move a little bit closer to the edge and get Mario to jump over there and do this kind of stuff. Right. But they can't translate that into their fine motor skills. Mm. 
So just something like for gaming, right? Like Neuralinks yeah. and things like that. It, it could literally unlock so many people to play games and, yeah. and interactive media that just, you know, get scared with the barriers that are in front of them, which is like, you know, and I still see it all the time. It's, you know, having one stick to control the movement of a character, the other one to control the camera. It's not intuitive, whatever anyone wants to say. It's not intuitive. I've seen kids, you know, get it, but they have to work on it to understand it. Now, something like a neuron link, you can in your mind go, oh, I want the character to move forward and uh, I can't see properly, so I want to sort of get a better view on the right. Like your brain can do that like instantly Mm. pretty much. So I'm fascinated to see this kind of technology where it will take it, but... Yeah, same. One thing is, how, just yeah. just the last last point that I'll just throw back to you, Mike. You know, and I always say this around VR, the interface and the medium is very, very important. You know, so much, you know, that whole saying the medium is the message. How this will work for a person is so critical. Just like with VR, right? If it's mm. cumbersome, if it's like a chip that you have to implant in your brain, it's not going to take off. What you do. If it's something that is like a pad that you can put on the side of your head and take it off whenever you want... That's something that I could see actually working or people, you know, using and, and then that actually taking off because people are more than happy to carry like a phone around a device that's, re- you know, relatively heavy compared to what people used to carry in their pockets, but they get so much utility out of it. They'll do it. Right. Of course. So if it's easy, oh. then people will use it and it'll, well, it'll, think- it'll be massive. Like this could be like the next big thing that to the size of the internet or the mobile phone. Oh, absolutely. could be. Yeah. Oh, it, this, this thing's going to be huge. And I think... I do think it's a case of opening Pandora's box and I think it's already been opened and I think this thing's just going to, whether it's, you know, Neuralink themselves or it's going to be another company, this this brain augmentation stuff is going to be massive. And I think back to the point that you were saying as well, Swinny, that we talked about, it's going to have huge positive impacts on a lot of people who currently have a disability. Um, I, you know, I, I can imagine, for example, if you lose your arm, let's say there's, there's existing technologies around that, but being able to actually control, physically control, uh, your hand by thinking that stuff, I think that's, that's an insanely powerful ability to have, um, for a lot of people. So yeah, let's see how this goes. Um, not just for gaming, but I think for society in general, it's going to be really interesting. No, definitely. Totally agree. And then a beautiful segue into our next topic. Uh, so this actually, I, I wanted to talk about this just because also it dates back to our first episode of the Big Weekend Gaming Podcast. And uh, what during... an episode that was. <laughs> like Go back and listen 50, to it, very lengthy. 50 topics or something ridiculous. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, it's not even that far from the truth. <laughs> um, 43. So, yeah, th- this week saw uh, record-breaking uh, sell price for Super Mario Brothers, the... Number one, NES game, uh, obviously unopened with the hand, hang tab complete, uh, wider graded, 9.6, extremely high quality mint copy of the game. What's a hang tab, sorry? Uh, so basically, in, in America more so than oh, Australia, they'll have like a little piece yep, of plastic yep. on the back yeah, 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 yep, and yep, they yep. punch through it. And then that's where they hang, they like, they'll hang the game up, right? Yes, yes. I now, know, there's right. a sick Visualize perversion that. that happens in the collecting community. And I say that as, a, as someone who gets a lot of Amiibo, so I've got a sickness as well. They, they want hang tab complete, which means they haven't even punched the hole yet to put it onto the, to the shelf. Wow. So it's like this idea that no one's ever touched this game. It hasn't even been put up for display. Like it's just been purchased, right? That's it's, it's very a, uh, it's yeah, a, interesting. 
Yeah, I was about to make a joke. That's probably. I know what you were going to make. <laughs> you know, it's I'm just ways, the same thing. It's mm. the ways that people go like, oh, you know, this very old book. Well, was this the first print run versus the second print run? Oh, it's the second print run. Oh, it's trash. Throw it in the bin. Yeah, um, I love that. Collecting so is really interesting. We we called it out in the first uh, episode of the show that Super Mario Brothers had sold for one hundred and ten thousand dollars US. I can't recall what exactly we said to any, but I do think. We mentioned things like, you know, Super Mario Brothers will probably be like Adventure Comics 1 and these really classic comics that, you know, it's just going to be so sought after. Well, I think, Swinny, we should have invested our money into the Super mm-hmm. Mario Brothers uh, angle because what, not even a year later, uh, it sold for 660000 US, which is just absolutely Holy insane. Moly. So once you... In, Think about you know GST and conversions and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty about close a to a million Australian yeah. dollars, which well, is just incredible. Yeah, that is that's super crazy. And I, from a seller's perspective, I mean, obviously it's one of those things that no doubt the longer you hang on to it, the more it's going to be worth. But I think it's like I had a friend who who said that he bought some bitcoins years back, and I do believe him uh, to buy drugs. He never bought the drugs, <laughs> kept the coins, and then when they went up. When they went up um, back in 2018, he, he, him and I were talking. And he's like, man, I don't know if I should bother selling these because it's not changing my life significantly enough to cash them out, even mm. if you can't cash them out. It's not as easy as that. Uh, he said it wouldn't change his life significantly enough to bother cashing them out, that he might as well just wait on them. And it's kind of like this. But I think when you reach a million, that's the point where you're buying a house, you're doing things where it's like, yeah, that, that's a significant amount of money, obviously, to really change your life. 110000 is a significant amount of money as well. Well, yeah. it is, but but again, it comes back down to 110000 is a significant, if you need that money right now, but the reality is something like that could easily be worth half a mil later. So, you know, people do that equation <laughs> in their heads and they go, well, oh, yeah. But that's not, but in what the am ga- I going to do with this? In collecting games, like, that's not traditionally been the case. Like, we've yeah. seen, obviously, things like uh, World Nintendo World Championships and, and uh, you know, those, those 27 super, chaos super ones, rare game, the super rare ones, yes, but not a copy of Super Mario Brothers. And, and just calling that out, Swinny, because that's a beautiful kind of way to for me to interject into this point that there's almost two now there's two two channels around collecting vintage games so nintendo champions sorry what was it exactly called uh world champion world champions yeah, yeah. yeah. world championship yeah. that actually almost isn't going up in price as much it's if anything <laughs> maybe going down in price right was it the one that sold for twenty seven thousand? i can't recall but but, but like oh what's kind of happening is there's two streams of people there's people who are collectors of retro games then there are people who are collectors in general right so these mm. are people who have been in like baseball card collecting, stamp collecting, model train collecting, like all this random collecting stuff, like comic collecting. And I think they're looking at it and going, you know, Super Mario Brothers, probably Legend of Zelda, these type of games are going to be, you know, the pinnacle of this whole genre of collecting. Yeah. So even like the rare games are in a weird way going down in price in some instances. But this game where it's really common, there's like millions of copies of this game still. This is like going up. And for me, it's like, you kind of go, wow, how, how high will it go? Because this wasn't even a first print run of this game. This was hmm. supposedly like maybe a fourth print run of this game uh, based on what they've worked out. 
So it wasn't even in the year that it got released in America. So it's kind of fascinating. And it's awesome. I love the story about how the guy or the girl bought it as a gift, forgot about it, put it in a drawer and just <laughs> left it and forgot all about it. How, could it, you, how do you keep... That, that's the fascinating, that fascinates me in and of itself, the fact that you can keep something in a drawer for 35 years. I don't think I've ever had a drawer that I haven't looked at within a year. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. something's there or I'd move or... <laughs> 35 years untouched that's, that's amazing I, I could understand if it was like a drawer in an attic or something yes you know but yes yeah. it does seem look i believe it but it does seem like too unbelievable you know but yeah i was just looking up the world championships so with um for instance using price charting's information yeah. which um you know there's so few of these sold so it's kind of like all we can go off is one sale per year or something yeah. um even the gold version of the Nintendo World Championship, which there were only 26 ever made and given out as part of the competition, um, like the pricing on price charting is like 24,000, Australian 24,000. You know, yeah, that's so what I meant. it's I nothing the, compared to these yeah. prices, you know. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, I thought it was 27. 10 years ago, that was still like through the roof in terms yeah. of the value, right? Like it was always, and yeah, you can see through price charting, it's actually gone down in price based on the sales that it's had so far. So and I mean, that's where I'm twenty seven thousand bucks is insane, right? Twenty five thousand. But I kind of that's crazy. But for I a understand game. it for something that this is that rare and is that exclusive. Yeah. Whereas this boggles my mind. This Mario. Well, no, but that's that's. I guess maybe I haven't made my point well, but I think that's where there's two channels. There's the people who want to collect all the NES games, or yeah, are yeah, really yeah. into that collecting, versus just people in general look at it as an investment, which yeah, no, honestly no, no. is probably a good investment. I feel like. You know, I'm a, like, look, I'm wearing a Nintendo 64 hoodie, right? <laughs> like, you know, obviously I'm a bit of a shill for Nintendo, but I'd look at Miyamoto as being like the Walt Disney of our lifetime. And, you know, Super Mario Brothers is kind of like, you know, I guess it's the one thing you would point to in 200 years as being a really critical kind of game. So, oh, yeah, this thing, I don't think this thing's going to go down in price. I, you know, I, and there's going to be people who will always have <laughs> insane amounts of money to pay for yeah. it. So. I could imagine it going for 10 times the price. Yeah. I, I still, the one thing, and I always mention it when it comes up, I'm still shocked that the Nintendo PlayStation sold for so little. Hmm. Like, Sweeney, I, I will never get over that. Hmm. I feel like that <laughs> thing should be worth so much, so yeah. much more. But, yeah, we'll see. Maybe one day it'll go back up in price. Maybe someone will make a documentary about it and then it'll go up. All right, uh, and for our last news article. Uh, so this week we saw that uh, Metroid Prime news. So not Metroid Prime 4, but... A fan-made public demo of Metro Prime 2D. So Prime 2D. So it's a it's a 2D demake of Metroid Prime was released this week. So uh, many, many, many developers have, have worked this, on this. So we should say Team uh, SCU were the ones who released it and have SCU. worked on it. Sorry, so, uh, 15 there's, years. There's a wrestling team called SCU, sorry. That's, 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 that's <laughs> Is that where it came from? I'm not sure where it's No, st- they, this team, well, I'm assuming this team has been named that for a while, predates the wrestling team. Yeah, and so we've had a, we, we had actually an announcement on 1st of April about it and everyone thought it was a joke. And then the demo came out on a forum and yeah, it was real. So have you guys played this short demo that's available for everyone for free? Mike, so Mike is I personally no, have not, Swinney? no. So I have played this. I've played this Ooh. quite a bit, actually. And um, I have played it as well. 
So I've been a good boy on this one. <laughs> nice. This ain't, yeah. this ain't uh, Metroid 99. This is... Uh... <laughs> no, I wanted to play Pac-Man 99, but I couldn't because I had my L.A. Noir game going, <laughs> so I couldn't quit out of it. But yeah. yeah, what did you think of it, Swinney? Because I've, I've played maybe half of Metroid Prime. I'm halfway through, and you've obviously beaten that game. So what did you think of this? Yeah, I, I put a, I did quite a few playthroughs of Metroid Prime, so it's kind of like it's such a... Uh, such a love for that game, mm. and yeah, this look. This is this from what they've shown. The demo is quite short. Um, it covers the first kind of you know intro areas of Talon Four, which is after the I think frigate Orphean um, like intro part of um, Metro Prime, and it goes up until the first boss of Metro Prime, which is like the Wasp Hive. Um, mm. It's it's really interesting what they've done with the controls. And initially, I was a little like, huh, and then. Um, I grew to love it, which is currently it only supports, the demo only supports um, keyboard and mouse, but it's free, essentially free aiming with a mouse cursor, which does kind of make it, it obviously feels very different than other 2D Metro games because of that, but also feels closer to Metro Prime because in that game you obviously mm. have free aiming. Um, I, I really love this demo. Um, there's some things that I think that didn't maybe, you know, like, it, like to me, it's weird. It didn't actually feel like Metro Prime in the way that I've read a lot of other people say this is like Metro Prime exactly in two D. To me, it felt like its own thing, but it did have. It, I could see what they were going for, and the atmosphere of Metro Prime was there, um, and some of the music that they've done, and the original music and compositions and remixes and stuff is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So I don't know what you think of it. I mean, it's kind of boring, but I kind of almost echo your sentiments exactly. So I've played like half of Metroid Prime. So I've played all the bit that the game refers to. And I love the controls. I was also equally quizzical, I guess you could say, about, you know, when they sort of say there's WASD and mouse free aim. I'm like, really? Like, and I'm a huge Metroidvania fan. Debatably the biggest one. Mike says that he's the biggest one. We'll see. Um <laughs> But I'm definitely the biggest Metroid fan. And yeah, I love this so much. I thought this is so cool. Like, And the controls are really awesome. I still feel that if you made this for the Switch, you could easily do the Shadow Complex style controls. Hmm. Um, so, you know, your right stick is the sort of free aim type of thing. I think that would work fine. But it does kind of work better, weirdly enough. And I don't know many Metroidvanias that use... Like, I don't play many Metroidvanias on PC for some reason. And I don't know many that use this style of controls, but I'm kind of into it, actually. Well, one thing I didn't mention was you've got the ability to scan the environment and the items and enemies, just like such a huge part of Metroid Prime. Yeah, huge. And that's really good with the mouse free aim because then you can exactly target what you want to scan in the environment. And in the middle of battle, if you're like, oh, I want to scan this boss or I want to scan these enemies that it's shooting out, it makes it much easier to do that um, because it doesn't pause while you're scanning and it takes a little bit sometimes. Um, I do think with uh, with the boss, and this could be just because of the demo, it felt for a first boss of a Metroid game or even a Metroid fan game, maybe felt a little too difficult. Like I was, I got through it first try, but mm. it was like, I think, no, I, said, <laughs> I love Swedish. So no, much. I want to clarify. Like I, I didn't find it too hard. <laughs> this isn't Dark Souls. Ah, let me, <laughs> this is what he's like. Let me finish my sentence. I was saying, I didn't find it too hard that it stopped me progressing, but I think that some people mm. would, if, if 
it was kept like this would be like, oh, that's probably a bit rough for a first boss. Um, but it could just be because it's the demo they wanted to give people a good challenge at the end of the demo. I don't know. So. No, look, and I totally agree with what you're saying. And there is something weird about fan games because you get these really passionate people, same as fan translations, where it's so over the top in terms of like either how they translate a game and they throw a hundred references to something in like mm. a little footnote. And like a lot of fan games, because these people are so into the game, they always find the games too easy. So if you play any Pokemon fan games, they're like the hardest Pokemon games you ever play in your life. Because I think from them relatively, it's like the symptom of um, NES developers. Like they were playing so many games they tune the difficulty Makes of the games for them. to themselves, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And right? they're really good at them. So. Yeah, and they've already <laughs> said, they always say this, Then it's kind of funny, actually. And I feel like that, that this game suffers from, not suffers, but it has that symptom. But for a fan game, this is just absolutely incredible. Mm. Like, for me, the other major uh, Metroid fan game that we should shout out is uh, the, the very vaunted AM2R, which is uh, another remake of Metroid 2 Samus Returns. Oh, so good, so good. I like this more. So, and, you know, I'm much more of a 2D Metroid fan. I really love this. Like, I, I kind of like, it's almost like it felt almost Nintendo-ish to a degree, just because it's it's not just going, oh, we're going to remaster something. It's actually taking some of the ideas of Metroid Prime and then how do you, you know, it's it's a very Nintendo thing to go, now I give you the challenge of making this in 2D. How are you going to translate things? How do you capture that same spirit? And like, I, I agree with you, Swinney. It doesn't feel like Metroid Prime, but it feels like the spirit a little mm. bit of Metroid Prime. Yeah, yeah. Now, like we're saying how much I love all this stuff, I've got to bring it up, but I think these these guys are, and girls are freaking stupid <laughs> to release uh. a demo. It's one of the most idiotic mm. things. If If they have the full version of the game, now, they may have only ever built, like, over the last 15 years, this is maybe all they've built, right? Supposedly it's not. But let's just hypothesize and say, this is all they've built. Then fine. Okay, they release a demo. It doesn't go anywhere beyond this. But if they have a full version of this game, these guys and girls are freaking idiots. Like, absolute idiots. And they don't understand how the law works. Because you can build something like this, release it, and then say Nintendo gives you a cease and desist. And then you go, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to work on it, Right? And you, legally, you're fine. So your art has gone out there into the universe. You can't make money off it or anything like that, but at least it's out there. That's what happened with AM2R. Exactly. And and to be honest, Nintendo was aware of that project, but as much as people hate on Nintendo, I don't think they're super unreasonable at the same time period. They have to defend their IP, right? And AM2R, they waited until the game was fully done, pretty much, and then released it, and then they got a cease and desist, like, the next day, right? <laughs> but the game's out there, and you can play it. These guys are absolute idiots if they have a full version of this game that's, like, a couple of months away, because it's inevitable. They're going to get a cease and desist from Nintendo. They haven't, as far as we are aware of at this stage, but they will. They will get a cease and desist, because they're, it's Samus. They're calling it Samus. They're saying it's Metroid Prime 2D. And then at that point, if they release it, they will, like, get into some serious legal strife. Do you think that for this demo specifically, if they wanted to get it out there so they could get people... Like, first of all, you want stuff out there because you've been working hard on something. Sure. So you want people to experience it. But for this demo, do you think they could have used, like, replacement assets, made, like, any mention of anything that was related to Metroid was named something else, and then it's, like then they could easily swap it at any time yeah. when they go to release it. Do you think they would have been fine in that situation? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, so... Oh, um, no, it's but it would have generated no buzz. We wouldn't have spoken about it. Mm. That's true. That's true. It's like, kind of, it, yeah. It, it's, it's really cool and everything, but there is an element of it that's extra cool because you know Metroid Prime and you can see what they're doing with it and the, you know, so, the, ch- the creative challenge that they have. It's just... So, if they've got a full game of this, they are insanely stupid. So what? What this. if hypothetical? Just to um to to give them some guidance. What if now they re-release the game with completely different assets? So it's basically a completely different game. Same mechanics, same everything. Just just it's not called Metroid. It doesn't have Samus in it. Different sprites, whatever the case may be. But they allow fan-made mods to their game. So someone can then later just make a mod to reskin it back to Metroid. Yeah, that's fine. That's that seems like a loophole around this. I mean, you like remember back in the day with Doom, and I, I just say back in the day because we're gonna talk about our first gaming memories as a special feature. Nice little uh, throw hmm. out to that. But um, you know, with Doom, they had really cool mods where you know you could play like with Alien franchise stuff. Which was actually initially what Doom was meant to be. It was meant to be an alien game. Uh, and they had the deal for it and everything, and it fell out at the last minute. But, yeah, like, they're not getting sued for that because, you know, you can't control if people change it. But mm. there's a lot of work that's gone into the art of this. I mean, this is what actually, to me, makes it so amazing. The art looks incredible. Mm. And that's normally what a fan game doesn't look as good, normally. Um, but I think it looks it looks insane. So... Yeah, like, I don't know. It's just really frustrating if they've finished this game or it's like a month away and then they've they've stuffed it up because of this, in my opinion. I think that would suck, Swinny. It would. I'm looking forward to hopefully playing a full version one day. I hope so. I hope so. Like, it's interesting that Nintendo hasn't already done a cease and desist, but I don't know. Maybe they're struggling to get in contact with them or something like that, but... Mm. They'd be insane if they release it, if they got a cease and desist, because then Nintendo would chase them and they would be in serious strife, like millions of dollars of strife, which would not be good. All right, let's move into my favorite segment of the week, the bargain bin. So the bargain bin for the week commencing the 11th of April, 2021. Uh, So Epic Games, as we always start with, uh, three out of 10, three out of 10, Swinney, season two. It's back, back, baby. It's back, baby. I thought it was gone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so mike as you don't listen to the show <laughs> right what show every single week i would talk about <laughs> three out of ten for like weeks on end yeah three out of ten episode one is available for free this week and then next week episode two is available for free so Swinny had to stop me and then <laughs> as a one-off i in one episode said you can get all of three out of ten and guess what you can still i believe i, I checked it the other day i can still get it you can still get season one of three out of ten for free <laughs> Now you can get season two. Now you can get season two on Epic. Uh, On Amazon Prime. So, Swinney, you asked me to throw out if there's any sort of notable games that are coming for free on Prime Gaming. So, if you have Amazon Prime uh, membership, there are free games. There are some really cool games that they've had for free in the past. Uh, They have Do Not Feed the Monkeys for free at the moment, which is actually, like, if you look at Steam, it's an overwhelmingly positively rated game. So, it's supposed to be a really interesting game. But do feed the monkeys if they've got a Neuralink implant and you want them to drop on. Nice, nice, nice. Tip of the hat. Well, that monkey was getting fed because every time it got it right, it would There are some amazing memes where they've turned that into, like, a shisha or something. Like, basically, to be like (laughs) Elon Musk is smoking weed and then the monkey's smoking weed. Uh, On Steam. 
uh, Halo Master Chief Collection is twenty five Australian dollars at the moment. That is an insanely good deal, and not it, bad for a, a full uh, pack of cooking shows. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're an idiot. And <laughs> it is my favorite way to play those games on PC. So probably the one FPS that I feel like you could play on console still. But uh, on the no, it runs at sixty. I'm pretty sure on the Switch. Uh, Swinny's trying to throw me under the bus here. Atelier Riser. <laughs> Uh, Ever oh, Darkness and the Secret Hideout is forty five dollars. What a bargain! Until the fourteenth no, of April, actually, I actually bought it. Like that oh, is actually cheap. Like that's, okay. that's hard. Oh, what's it about? Okay, I'll give you that, Swinny, because I did say don't put it in unless you would buy it, and you actually did. So I'll I always that. like I always put these games with one or two exceptions where I I want to put a joke one in. Like the Atelier games are super popular, and they and that's a great price for it. So. Oh, I, I thought it was Atelier. I think it's Atelier, but I'm not atelier. sure. Atelier. It could be. Atelier. I love this. I'm right. You know, saying an atelier. atelier is in a place where you, you could build be right. Stuff. I've never played the games. So. so, wait, I'm right, Mike. Did you say? No, I, I, I'd say it's Atelier, as in, as in, is it a place where you build stuff? Like Atelier Rising. Atelier. You know, you know atelier like, rising. Oh, I don't, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> All right. Moonlighter is uh, $9.37, complete atelier. edition, until the 27th of April. No, sorry. The com- no, the complete edition is twelve ninety. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah good yeah. call out. Good call out. Yeah, get the complete edition, twelve ninety. <laughs> Workshop, that's what it means. PlayStation. So digital wise. Uh the Surge one and two dual pack is twenty eight ninety until the fifteenth of April. Uh, Anodyne is three dollars. <laughs> that's a good game. Anodyne's a really cool game. No, no I think he's laughing because he's trying to pronounce all these <laughs> oh, no. words. Or th- that wasn't too bad actually. Or a dollar fifty if you have PS plus uh, until the twenty ninth of April and on rush is three dollars fifty until the twenty ninth of April. Swinney, take away the major announcements for Xbox this week. Really? Okay. All right. Well we've had This is major. <laughs> what eh, is he talking about? It's eh. like the biggest game almost ever released. Eh. All right. And then a big controversial <laughs> one that's eh. coming out. <laughs> okay, so we've got some Game Pass highlights. So They've added Grand Theft Auto Five back into console Game Pass, so that's available now. I wonder um, for how long. I don't know. It'll probably be for like three or four months, like uh. short, like last time. Um, so the this is the interesting one to me. Um, mm. So MLB The Show Twenty One uh, is added to console Game Pass on the twentieth of April, which is the Sony developed um, baseball game, which is yeah. just. It's wild that that's on Game Pass. And from what I've heard is, you know, that Sony have clarified that it was MLB's decision to add it to Game Pass, but you've got to think at some point... Of course. <laughs> no, but you've got to think at some point, like, how did this not line up to be also like a PS Plus game? Hmm. It's like, that's just bizarre to me. Now, from... I think I've I've heard that on the Xbox website that it is actually technically published by MLB, not Sony. So no, it's, it's not technically it is published yeah, by MLB. So yeah, just whatever. It's so it's basically what, what do you mean? You just said it's man, you are so finicky about freaking like <laughs> Well he does words have a sometimes. lawyer. Like a to lawyer be right. Partner. Like to be just, right. Just, and he likes to be right. Just give okay. it up sometimes. Um, Let's be right instead of wrong. So okay, all right, you can you can take it on you can do the rest of it. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's a thing. We've also got some Game Pass uh, removal lowlights. Oh wait, 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 I want, oh, wait, I want to talk about that because we rarely do this in the bargain bin, but I didn't want to do it as a segment. This is this is insane, sweetie. This whole the show thing. So there was a whole negotiation with Sony and MLB, and I think it basically they were going to take the license off them unless they made it multiplat, which totally makes sense, right? Because if you've got a game franchise and you're like you know NBA or the NFL, why would you want it restricted to one console? It makes no sense. 
So Correct, you've got this yeah. crazy, crazy situation. Well, it depends now. on what stupid contracts they signed. Well, no. So they it, this was already known last year that they'd done a new deal with the MLB okay. that it was it had to be multiplat going forward. Yeah. And everyone was debating about what that would mean. And I, I you know, <laughs> now I'm correcting other podcasters and other media places. So it actually has pissed me off when people talk about why would Sony put it on Game Pass and. It's like people are dopey. Sony's got nothing to do with publishing it. It's MLB that's publishing it. MLB would have done the deal with Microsoft. And in a way, I think it's smart for Microsoft to do a dick move like this because it drives a wedge for people. It's like you can get it for free on Xbox or like as part of Game Pass or you can pay for it on PlayStation. And it sort of <laughs> exposes the way that <laughs> their different approaches at the moment to gaming. Um so not very big in Australia, obviously, because baseball's not huge here, but this is a big game yeah, for baseball know. fans in America. It's the only real major one that comes out. So yeah, really, so can, really crazy. Can we talk about the lowlights? Yes, let's talk about the sad stuff, Swinney. Yeah, so leaving on the 15th of April, um, we've got Deliver Us the Moon, Gato Roboto, which Inter got reviewed on the show previously, and Wargroove, which is actually a neat little Advanced War style game. Shout out to the one person that's watched that review. Probably you, Swinney. <laughs> Probably. To double check, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, really good game. Actually, you, you actually would have enough time to play it. It's not very long. So, all right, we're running long. Let's throw into our special feature. So what we're covering uh, this week in our special feature is our first video game memory. Now, we're all old, so these are actually games that people... It would have come out way before a lot of people who are listening to the show were born, which is kind of wild when you think about it. This is maybe actually, this actually, is yeah. the no, equi- definitely, Mike. This is equivalent <laughs> of like old men going for a last camping trip and gathering around the bonfire <laughs> and telling stories. I uh, I, Back in it. my day, I have love been it. honestly. This is the kind of segment that I that I. This is the reason why I wanted you to do this about. whole show. Yes. <laughs> and, and can I just say how yeah, funny I don't that is? I want to talk about news. This is how funny this I is, talk about because I just unilaterally said last week that we're going to talk about this this week because I was like, oh, we've got nothing to say in the final segment to say what we're talking about next week. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to pull out a special feature. All right, it's going to be this one. <laughs> well, when we when we were coming up with ideas for the whole big week in gaming mm. podcast, we're like, okay, these are the kind of, you know, cool features we want to do, things that we really want to talk about. And one of them was, hey, you know, talk about our first gaming memories, the kind of games that we grew up playing, the first few games we ever remember. That's the kind of oh, stuff. Wait. So Wait, first gaming memories or memories? Shut <laughs> up. So how do we want to cover this? Because I literally... do my notes. I will literally do like a hundred different games. And it was kind of cool, what? actually, thinking about it this week because I was like, oh, I remember this. And I remember when this came out and... Just like all this really cool things. I Do think, we want to limit it to like three games? No, or? not at all. I think we need to, I think we each tell whatever story we want to tell about yeah. what we grew up, what the very early years of our gaming and the things that were really important to us. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll just start and then th- I'm not going to finish, but I'll like throw the first one. Because if I said the very first gaming memory, so this is like legitimately the first time I ever remember a video game, it was, and this is how old I am. It's the Atari 2600. Yeah. Which we owned. And very, I think, in style of Intergot, instead of having like a legit game, it was like a clone dodgy game called, and I think I've mentioned it once before on the potty. It was called Mousetrap. 
So it's like basically a Pac-Man clone where you play as a mouse and you're getting chased by okay. cats, right? And very much like Pac-Man. I think it's better than the Pac-Man up. Atari 2600 game, by the way. And it has like a bit of a different oh, yeah. sort of appeal to it because you press a button to sort of open and close. If you imagine a Pac-Man sort of puzzle map, but more like, you know, four by three style and, you know, in the bottom left, right and uh, top left, right corners of the map, there's kind of like they've put doors in like an alternating doors. So you press a button, it sort of like alternates which, which side will be open. Other than that, it's pretty much exactly like Pac-Man. I remember when I first saw that, my dad was playing it, and I was, like, really young. Like, I would imagine, like, four or something like that. And I was just, like, mesmerized. I was like, what is this? This is insane. I can control this? Like, it, like, blew my little brain apart. And I was like, wow, and I had to play it. And I got good at it, and I, I just loved that so much. So, so say, that, that that was my very first gaming memory. So you say 2600, just to clarify, because there's a few, like... From what I've seen, there's a few different models. Was yours the black one with, like, the rainbow strip in the front? Yeah, it was definitely the black one. Yeah, because... I'm just trying to look at images if it's... It definitely wasn't the really cool kind of, like, wood... Yeah, You know, yeah. chestnut one. That that would have been sick. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely... It's like this black one, like, very... I, I've got an image of it. I'll send it to you guys. It's like if you go to the Wikipedia article on it, I think it's... Oh, I know what it looks it. like. <laughs> mm. I know what it looks that, like. that was the one Darth, they call it the Darth Vader design that was the one that we had yeah. how about you Swinney what's your first memory oh so we're, we're gonna go around okay well uh, yeah I'm gonna come back later yeah okay alright so <laughs> we'll leave back my very first gaming memory that I at least can recall is also the Atari 2600 <laughs> we're it, is also, <laughs> it is also wow. the black one with like the metallic rainbow strip um, that was my first video game console ever and the first game I remember ever playing on it was Defender. Defender was probably oh. my first game ever, I think. There were we had a few games, so it's hard to know exactly which one I, you know, picked up first. Um we did also have a really cool uh, educational game called uh Cookie Monster Munch. Oh, on. I had that as well, dude. Yep. And <laughs> dude, what the hell? That's so that's I you know, I would never have been able to say what that was until you said it. And that's so crazy. You have the control that has the number buttons on it. That's so crazy, dude. That, I had that shit. That controller was called the Atari Kids controller, and it came with you could get different overlays. So there was one that was like a cookie monster one. That's so I think crazy. we had another game, but I couldn't remember what it was. Um and that was really cool because like honestly, that Cookie Monster game had some really cool, like massive sprite work for the Atari. Yeah. It was really, really neat. Um, and some of the other Atari games that were, you know, part of, um, you know, my th- those early console days was uh, we had some version of Pong. I don't know if it was Pong or like one of the million clones they probably made. But yeah. the other game that is just so fondly um, burnt in my brain, and I still think holds up, is River Raid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah River yeah. Raid is just one of the, the the best Atari games ever made. So thank you, Activision. River Raid's good, and just like the other Atari one that I'll mention is Pitfall. Yeah. So I was at my uh, now late grandfather's farm, and you know, like I wasn't madly into gaming. I was very little, but I remember seeing Pitfall at their house, and I think my cousin playing it. 
And then I played it a bit. I'm like, wow, this game is so cool. And I still think that game is one of the few Atari games that still holds up. Like, if you play it even today, it's still a really cool game. So, yeah, yeah like, at friends' houses, like, I... So, you got Pitfall, of course, Adventure. I used to play that. Um, the, yeah, the Smur- I've never played that. The Smurfs game, which was actually a pretty good platformer. And, yeah. unfortunately, also E.T. <laughs> oh, you've actually seen a copy of E.T. in the wild. Cool. Well, yeah, as a kid, yeah. Nice, nice. How about you, Mike? Atari as well, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, I'm I pretty sure it was like Atari <laughs> because, and and I mean, it, you know, it shows our age, but I don't. I, I think that was actually still relatively late. I mean, this was what in the early nineties would have been. They would have had these experiences late. What late? What well, I, like, so I only sh- had it in the in the very early nineties. Without doxing all ourselves, right now, like you're basically our age. It makes no difference, but you're actually yeah. a few years younger than us, which kind of does make a difference. For back then, because you would have been in like communist place well, no, in here, Europe. I, I did, where we had no games. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then you would have they left there and you were in New Zealand for a while. So, it, it, uh, no, so actually my first experience wasn't there. My first gaming experience that I can possibly remember was in Germany. So uh, yeah. we were uh, poor, filthy immigrants in Germany back in the early 90s. And we couldn't afford uh, an, an Atari or anything like that. But some neighbor in the place we were living, because it was like, it was a converted hotel that someone had bought and turned into units. And uh, I remember living with my parents in just a one bedroom unit. So I'd sleep in a corner, they'd sleep somewhere else in another corner. Uh, They could probably only get frisky when I was at school. And and I remember that. That's why you're a single child. That's why I'm a single child, exactly. They never had a chance to do it again. Uh, and I remember we had the uh, an, we had a neighbor who who was this gypsy dude, no joke, a gypsy dude because he was from Romania and he had an Atari. And I remember a cowboy game where you had to you had like uh, ooh, and I looked ooh, it up. This now, could go actually. bad. There was a cacti, there was a cactus, <laughs> and you, there were like two cowboys, one on each side, and you had to like you had to like go up and down and shoot each other. Oh, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad it didn't go to Wales. And, no, no, that was it. It was it was just that one. And <laughs> it's I think Germany the as well. Game. I oh, know exactly in Germany. I think the game was ca- called Outlaw, and I looked it up <laughs> since, right. and I'm pretty sure it it was on the Atari 2600. Sure, it's not uh... Custer's Revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was not that. But he, here's the interesting thing: because I didn't have one myself, um, I I remember thinking it was cool, but I wasn't hooked or anything like that. Because mm. mm. I was spent so much time outside, uh, climbing trees and running around and playing with kids outside, that I didn't. It didn't really click for me at the time. I was like, yeah, this is cool. I mean, I don't remember exactly what I thought because it's so long ago. But I remember not being hooked. I don't remember asking my parents to go and play it every day or anything like that. It was cool, but I was like, yeah, I've got other things to do, like climbing trees and shit. So, but that that was definitely the very first memory. But things changed after that. So, over to you guys. Well, yeah, and just going off that point about, you know, getting hooked. Because I wasn't hooked on the Atari either. Um, It was cool. But I do think, actually, the Atari doesn't hold up as well as the next one I was going to mention, which is... Uh, Super Mario Brothers on the NES, which, you know, we've had a previous segment just about how much it's selling for now. So this is like the first game that I was like, wow, I just like love this game. And I reckon I was in grade one or prep or like right at the start of school. And (laughs) this is, this started a lifetime of deceits and and sneakiness (laughs) that like, I love this game so much and I'm so bad at the game to be honest, but I love this game so much that actually I 
my brain, my little kid brain of five or six years old, I was like, I want to play this game more, but you know, how can I play this game more? And then I was like, wait a second, when I'm sick, I can stay at home and play games. So I just need to be sick <laughs> to be able to play the game. Ding, ding, and I remember ding. saying to my mum, I'm like, oh, I'm sick. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm sick. I have to stay at home. She's like, oh, okay, just stay at home then. <laughs> and my mum worked night shift. Like she was, my mum's like kind of crazy actually. Like when I look back and think she worked all the way through the night and then kind of was like for us, like a stay at home mum. Because she'd always be awake when we're awake. That's crazy. Right? And she would sleep during the day, like, when we're at school, effectively, for, like, four or five hours, and then do housework and everything. Uh, She was crazy, right? Uh, Shout out to my mum. But, you know, (laughs) like, so, she was asleep, and I was playing this game, like, all day. (laughs) And I'm like, this is genius. (laughs) And I think that's that put a seed into my brain of being dodgy. Figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like, Super Mario Brothers, what can you say? It's, like, one of the greatest games ever. I totally understand when people put it as the number one game of all time, just because of its impact, you know, probably more so in a way in America, because they went through the whole video game crash and this game kind of brought back gaming and who knows how, when it would have come back, it would have come back eventually. Um, still holds up this game, still mm. one of the most popular speed running games that they, that's out there. A fantastic game. I loved it. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it was so like, it kind of started me on that journey of being a gamer. Like this, this really put its hooks into me. I really loved it. How about you, Sunny? Yeah. So the NES in general was a huge part of my childhood, but I never owned one. Mm. So I, I guess that it requires a bit of explanation. So we back in my my old uh, you know childhood home, um, we we were we had very good neighbours, and this were still very. Our families are still very close to this day. So much so that you know the one of the one of the that um, one of the neighbors actually you know is for shared you know like funerals for us and stuff like that's how close we are to that family. Um, and we used to go like I used to be around there like multiple times a week playing their NES. And it's like to, in hindsight, I'm so thankful for them to basically you know give me the opportunity as a kid to be able to play Super Mario Brothers, Zelda Two. Donkey Kong Jr., Duck Hunt, Turtles. Like, <laughs> they even had Little Red Hood, which was an unlicensed game, you know? <laughs> um, and so that was that, those games in particular, that group of games, um, I just, that was like my education into game, you know? Like, I love the Atari, but that's when I knew that, okay, this is something special. This is something that is just going to, you know, be such an important hobby of mine. And, you know, I just, there's a sunny about those games like they even Donkey Kong Jr like even that game is just like such I have such fond memories about play, sitting down in their lounge room playing that on their their big TV because we only had a tiny little TV at home and as I said we only had like Cookie Monster Munch and Defender and stuff <laughs> initially um but then um we would sometimes I would sometimes we would hire out an NES, and so I got to play things like Mario Brothers 2, Mega Man 2, um, even games like Silent Scope, which I would, had no idea how to play, like, semi-open world submarine <laughs> sim on an NES. But, hey, I was, you know, I was, like, six, years, six, seven years old. I was, like, happy to play anything. So the NES is very important to me. But um, there is something that, you know... There is another, I guess, like a third tier of, you know, my, my gaming memories that I think we'll probably all get to in the, soon as well. So, Mike, I don't know if 
that then leads into what your next memories are. It, it does, but unlike you guys, and you you know, because we've spoken about this before, I never had a NES or access to a NES. I mean, I briefly did when I lived in New Zealand through a friend, but again, it was really brief and I wasn't really playing games as actively back then. Um, but bef- well, during that period and, and sort of before and during that period, um, I had access to a 386. So I think that's really when I started playing games a lot. And one of the first games that I remember, <laughs> we've spoken about this one before, <laughs> is Gorillaz. Uh, was that Q-Basic game <laughs> called Gorillaz? It came out in like 1991, where you you had a couple of Gorillaz and you had to uh, enter in the the angle I, sorry, I, and the speed at which you throw a banana. I think we've we've had a lengthy we discussion have. about this on a completely a separate podcast a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, back back to that old chestnut, the Q basic gorillas game. So so I grew up with with PCs during that era. So I had a three eight six, and then we got our hands on a four eight six. Um, but even on the three eight six, I remember games like um, there was there was a game called Superplex. Where you were like this or- this red orange uh, blob thing eating electronics and stuff like that. There was Prince of Persia, which a lot of people played, and I remember that immensely. There was Lemmings. I, I remember spending so many hours in Lemmings. Oh, Lemmings! Um, I used to go to the library to play that. Look, <laughs> it was oh, such a good so game. Good. Um, I remember games like Flashback, um, which to this day is still an amazing looking game. There's a there's a version on Switch that I highly recommend now. So they not not the remake of it, but the original one you can get on Switch as well now, which is really cool. And I might actually get get back into it and play it because I never played it properly um, recently. Uh, games like Jill of the Jungle, uh, Gods, and they remastered Gods recently as well. I didn't I know, know you knew about that game. Gods. That's cool. Oh yeah, man! Like there's so many of those games. I I, I played like hundreds of those games during that era because you would get them. You know, I can probably openly say this, but you know, you, you, I'd had I had my mom had a couple of. Um, people she worked with and stuff who would just give me floppy disks full of mm. games oh yeah um so i would have access to all these just libraries of games um but it was interesting because i still had a unlike in later years i felt like i still had a really good balance like i'd play quite a bit quite a bit um but at the same time it still felt like i would go outside a lot climb trees do all that shit it was it was amazing um and and some other notable mentions um I think there's there's four more that I'd like to mention. <laughs> one is Dangerous Dave. I don't know if you guys ever played that one. Um, it, it was a, a side shooter, side scroller shooter dude, a guy with a shotgun going to this, this like haunted mansion. Um, Commander Keen, of course. Mm. So all of the Commander Keens I, I played, um, in, including uh, the the one in Dreamworld, which is a bit different, but still there. And one game that I really really fondly remember that so deserves a remake of some sort is the incredible machine oh yeah did you guys ever play that yeah that that game and i I don't know why but those type of games have not made a comeback they need to make a comeback they're so cool and just the the ideas you know you you were talking about dreams earlier you know the idea of constructing Mm. a world and stuff like that okay it's nothing of the sort in terms of its complexity but it was still that idea that you would construct your own things you weren't just playing a game. You were actually making part of the game in that sense. Well, they've been taken over a lot by, I guess, like the factory building style uh, genre, like Factorio yeah. and stuff. But it's a bit of a different thing, though. It is, but yeah, I think they... it is different, yeah. But I think the that mechanics. they... That what they do is they kind of occupy a similar space of setting things up to 
be in cycles and things like that. But I know what you're saying. It'd just be perfect for the Switch. Imagine, imagine like a modern day. <laughs> I feel like that's what incredible we machine the on the too. Switch. Perfect for the Switch. Perfect for the Switch. <laughs> and last but not least, I thought I'll save the best memory for last. There was a game that I will never forget, and it was called Sextress. <laughs> just and that's straight probably out had there. Didn't didn't it's like didn't the biggest happen. the biggest impact on my life out of almost any <laughs> any game, and that's that's because. So Sextrist, and, and look, I'll, I'll openly talk about it. It's not, it's not, it's probably quite obvious what it is, but basically it was just Tetris. And every time you got a line, it would reveal part of an image. And you can imagine what those images would be. Now, they weren't super duper bad. It was basically something you'd see in, in, in really soft core Playboy stuff. Like there wasn't full nudity or anything like that. It wouldn't ever be like R-rated these days, would it? No, it wouldn't even be R-rated, but like an MA15 kind of game yeah. if it came out nowadays. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that bad. Um, there was, by the way, a Pauntress, which I had also played. And being <laughs> the age that I was... Oh, it he's made, made it even worse somehow. It, we made, didn't know it made absolutely no sense to me at the time. I remember my I remember my, um, my mom's cousin, who I, I guess, you know, we're second cousins or whatever the hell we are now. Um, I remember he was there and he, he, he was older than I was. He, I think he was 18 or something at the time. So he knew what was going on the screen. And I'm like <laughs> tilting my head going, huh? What? Like what? Well, what am I supposed to interpret here? I get it now, all these years I, later. You, whenever you talked about Sextress over the years, <laughs> I'd never seen what it looked like until I re- just looked it up last night to do, do a thumbnail stuff. Oh, yeah. sure. That's why but did you find it, yeah, the, sure, the proper really... one? Because there's, there's, like, there's like the stupid one where it's basically people. I found whatever Google... That's not the I one. I found whatever Google image search gave me. Okay. So okay. The, uh... I had always thought the Sextress <laughs> is so ridiculous. Like the actual pieces were like people. And you were like, no, there is. There's a game like that. <laughs> there is I a thought. game like That's that. But no, 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 it wasn't like that. That's not the one that I, I thought. Played. The same as you, Srini. That's what I thought <laughs> yeah, it no, was. No, no. So it's not the one I played. So kind of just going off that, and and I, we should probably just call out because you know for younger listeners, a lot of the stuff in way doesn't make sense what we're talking about because mm. you know when we were growing up, there wasn't the internet as we know it now. And in fact, like there wasn't even mm. the web until like 94. So it literally predates the web, no a lot thing. of the stuff we're talking about. Oh, the, the, yeah, none of these games existed. I mean, the internet in one form or another existed The internet was there, but not the web. Not the but World the web, web wasn't. You couldn't get these games or anything. You had and, to get them off a floppy disk from someone. Well, and that was a cool... That's what I kind of liked about the PC. So I was also mm. heavily into PC gaming and... You know, with the NES, I love the NES and then, you know, probably won't touch on it, but like the SNES and all that kind of stuff. But that was very like, you know, I I didn't know too much about the piracy stuff on those consoles. There were things like the Doctor 64 and stuff like that, but, (laughs) you know, basically it was like all legit, right? And, you know, with PC, on the other hand, it was like... It was crazy. It was just like a free for all. Yeah. yeah, and it was kind of cool because you know we would go to like PC swap meets and stuff where you could buy PC parts, and people would just like go, "Here's a disc, you know, one dollar. Here's like, you know, the game that I'm going to talk about now, which is like Wolfenstein 3D." So you know, and they had this concept of shareware back then, which in a weird way doesn't even exist today. It's like you do have demos every now and then, but demos are kind of gone out of favor now. I guess games are so cheap these days. But, you know, I remember playing Wolfenstein 3D and I got the like shareware version. I think I was sold the shareware version where it was meant to be free, right? 
And <laughs> like Wolfenstein 3D, I think even Very to tough. this day, now that, you know, there are actually sort of like a new series of Wolfenstein games, hmm. I still feel like people don't understand its place in gaming and really created the complete bones of the first person shooter genre. And it was really until Doom came out, which I think everyone regards as the sort of the granddaddy of first person shooters. The thing about Doom is just the way in the the artistry and just the the presentation, the sound, the music, it just all took it up another level altogether. So it just became a massive hit. But yeah, just going back to Wolfenstein 3D, I, I love that, yeah. that game so much. Yeah. And it like I I do need to find this and dig this out, but you know, and, uh, you know, thanks to my parents for this, but we actually, you know, sent off to Texas to get, you know, and money or something like a check or something like that, right? To yeah. get Spiro Destiny, which is like the sort of spin off sequel to Wolfenstein 3D. And they sent them from Texas themselves. In, wow. Like the actual floppy disks, like hand what, done. You know what that reminds me of? And I, this is obviously slightly later. Um, I got my hands on a copy of Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah, and it, it, it was actually it was it was funny because um, I, I was thirteen at the time, I think twelve or thirteen, and I walked into the store, I saw the copy, I had played it at my mate's place, and I said, "I got to get this game. It's incredible graphically, and you know, all those other things in it." And and the guy's like, "Are you 15 I'm like, "Yeah, look at me." And lucky I had you know a little fluff growing on my on my chin because <laughs> I matured earlier than other kids in that sense. So I looked I looked like I was fifteen. It was fine. Mm. And I remember getting home, putting the game in, installing it, and I'm like, "Where are the titties? <laughs> why are not? Why where are the strippers? What, what's oh going God. on here? I wish I could, I've been ripped off. I wish I could name the episode. Where are the titties? <laughs> so I was sitting there, totally confused. And again, no internet. You can't just search and go, "Ah, oh, where are the titties on the internet? You can't do that. They didn't exist. So I looked at the back of the game. Because I bought the physical copy, obviously, and I looked at the back of it, and it had the the local distributor of the game, and it had their their contact details. So I'm like, oh, all right, I'll just call them up. So I called <laughs> up the local distributor of Dick Nukem 3D in New Zealand, and I'm like, hey, I got this game, <laughs> but it looks like it's not. It doesn't have everything. Like it's missing. It's missing all the like the textures and sprites and stuff of the strippers and other things. And the lady's like, no worries, we'll send you a patch. <laughs> Oh, God. I swear to God, I was I was like twelve, hitting on thirteen at the time. They sent me via post a floppy disk with the patch, the adult mode patch for Duke Nukem 3D. <laughs> the, the, the local distributor of the camera, which which is like, first of all, they didn't they didn't give a shit about my age. They didn't verify anything. They just sent me an envelope with the floppy disk. I put it in, patched the game, bingo, done. That That's is funny. like, you cannot get that anymore. Something like that does not exist. There is no such thing. That experience cannot be had ever again. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Back That's to awesome. Wolfenstein. But yeah, that was so Yeah, cool. no. And like, and then just on that one quickly. Um, yeah. Like when I, when I went to a friend's house, I remember which friend it was and he had a better PC and he had Doom running. And when I first saw Doom and he got it like really early on. I was like really blown away. I was like, "Whoa! I've got to get this game." I, I was incredible. like, "Super into it." And maybe I'll throw to you, Swinney, next. Yeah. So we'll talk about those, you know, different tiers of my childhood gaming. So the Atari, the NES, um, and then the third one, which is PC gaming. But just before I mention that, I just want to give Sega a little bit of love. So I never had a Master <laughs> System or a Mega Drive, but my friends did. So I used to 
always you know, when I went around to their place, uh, play Elskid Miracle World um, and Hang On and things like that. Um, so the Master System was a big part of my gaming upbringing as well, but also a little bit of Mega Drive, uh, maybe a bit on a bit later, but you know, getting to play games like Streets of Rage 3, Columns, the awesome version of Aladdin on Mega Drive and stuff. But with PC gaming, so uh, my family from from memory was one of the first kind of in our area to really get a PC at home. And it was mm. an Amstrad. And I'm not sure, I've gone back and forth. They look very similar. I'm not sure if it was an Amstrad uh, 1512 or 1640 or however you say it. But essentially it had four colors. It had white, black, purple, and teal. And I got to play some uh, absolutely amazing games on it. And this was, you know, this is my first experience using any kind of like DOS-style operating system as well. <laughs> um, but, you know, games like Prince of Persia, uh, California games, Test Drive 2, Alley Cat, which is amazing. Oh, my God, Alley Cat. I was going to ask yes. you, did you play Alley yes, Cat? Alley Cat. Yes, Alley uh, so- <laughs> Cat. Soka Band, which is, you know, an awesome... Oh, Soka Band! Yes. <laughs> um, Wizball, Whiz which isn't a very well-known game, but I love Wizball <laughs> so much. Um, but there was one specific game that i couldn't remember the name of for like 20 years and i finally found it uh like recently and it was called into the eagle's nest and i don't know if you guys have ever heard of this game but it was Mm. awesome so it was a top it's like some nasty game yes (laughs) it was a top down Ah. shooter like gauntlet style where yeah. you were escaping from a Nazi prison and you get That's like you get right. revenge, you save prisoners, you unlock doors, eat their food, you collect their gold, and it's just eat the prisoners' food. The Nazis' food. Collect the, the prisoners' gold. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're in are, are we the baddies? Yeah. Are we the baddies? <laughs> but it was the sound effects of that game are burnt into my brain. And whenever wow. I look it up, like all of the screenshots look because you know, I was only having that four colour monitor. Um, mm. it's, you know, they into the, came up all Nazi, into the game, <laughs> all the, uh, all the images look so much better, like, cause they're on better machines and stuff, but into the mm. Eagle's Nest was awesome. But probably the most fond PC, early PC gaming memories for me was, um, for probably one of the best Christmas presents I ever got, which was this, a Sierra adventure game triple pack that we got for Christmas that had King's Quest 2, Space, oh. Space Quest 2 and Police Quest 2. And, Those were amazing. Oh, games. they were so yeah. amazing. And again, we only had that like four color one. And so I'd look at the back of the box and be like, <laughs> oh my God, this game looks so much better on these other computers. But <laughs> like Police Quest 2, especially, such an amazing game. And there's so much I didn't understand at the time, so many of the jokes that I didn't understand. And it was almost like just I learned so much from that game. It sounds so ridiculous, but you know. It's like watching Pulp Fiction when you're young. You're like you're learning stuff that you've never heard about, and it kind of introduces to you in a way that <laughs> some people would think is inappropriate. It's like a kid shouldn't be learning. Like with, with Police Quest, like you know, it's about you're investigating murders, and you know, like it's pretty serious stuff. Um, but it was just it was such an awesome experience. So that is probably you know those three things: the Atari, the NES, and my Amstrad PC were my early gaming memories that I fondly cherish. I remember because we grew up together and I remember because I never really got into the sort of uh, point and click adventure games. I never really had them, I should say. But yeah, I sort of did, right? But it was sort of like that back in the day because just because the internet has unlocked so many things, now you can find content that suits you and, 
you know, YouTube videos and everything like that. Back then, it was almost like just you're picking things at random. It's like, oh, I want to buy this game. I don't really know that much about it. Or I'm yeah. reading about it from magazines, but you don't understand as a kid that, by the way, the mani- magazines are getting paid off by the publishers or they'll have deals and <laughs> they kind of have to say this game is good even though it's terrible. I used to love doing... Going into Tandy and seeing the PC yeah. games there, you know, like Tandy doesn't exist anymore, but that was a thing back then, you know. Yeah, and it, like because we're in Australia, it's like kind of odd because we sometimes got stuff from the US that didn't really translate into Europe, and then vice versa as well. So PC gaming and like Commodore sixty four was actually super massive when we were growing up. I didn't really see a lot of that just because I saw it at my cousin's house. But we didn't have one. We were always like, from the start, like, you know, you know, 286, 386, 486. We were always on like sort of Intel all the way through. Mm. So I didn't see a Did lot I, of yeah. those games. But um, I, rem- I always remember Swinney growing up and you always talk about like Space Quest, Police Quest, all mm. those kind of games. I actually want to play them one day just to see what they're like. Oh, they're, um, they're still, I reckon they're still good games to this day. I mean, you know, some of the remakes of some of the classics. Like Monkey Island, mm. they, they were remade relatively recently and they're totally worth picking up. They're still hilarious to this day, I think. But the last one that I just wanted to touch on um, and then whatever you guys wanted to throw out there was, mm-hmm. uh, again, a different sort of format, which was arcade. So I remember like, you know, because like arcades were much, much bigger when we were growing up and probably even bigger before our time, but they're still really massive uh, when we were growing up. And for me... Like the game that like blew my mind. There's probably two, but one in particular was Street Fighter Two. Like when that first came out, and just seeing that and playing it, and it was really like a different thing because arcade games generally up to that point were very solo. Like you're mm. you know playing Galaga, you know Pac Man, Donkey Kong, whatever it was. This was the first game that you you know, and you know I don't want to dox us too much, but you know we'd go to like um you know the local sort of mega sort of uh, mall or like shopping center, like the really, really big one. And they'd have like a playtime. And I I just loved how it was like, you know, the rules at least in Australia were, and still are from what I understand, you know, if you're on the machine, so you're playing Street Fighter 2 and you win, it's like you stay on. And if you want, you know, people would put like (laughs) dollar coins lining them up and it's like, all right, I'm going to come up next and try to beat you. And if you lose, it's like, well, piss off. You've lost. You have to get off. And I, I kind of love that competitive element. And there were some people who were so good at those games and plowed in like a lot of money. And then it was basically like they're almost playing for free because people would just come mm. and like lose against them. And it was just something really cool about those kind of arcade memories. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, go no, I was just going to say, look, probably <laughs> this lines up with Smash Bros. a bit, which is funny. Um, one of the, fond- the fondest arcade games as a very young kid for me was Pac-Land. Like, I loved <laughs> Pac-Land so much. It is, you know, obviously like games like Street Fighter and that. Like, the first Street Fighter was was the game that was actually in the same arcade as I used to play Pac-Land. Um, but that Pac-Land, for some reason, I just love that game. But, yeah, it makes an absolutely horrible Smash Brothers level. <laughs> and it's a horrible level as well. And how about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, so uh, I was just going to touch on a few games as well that... Obviously, Doom. I remember we when I had li- I was living in New Zealand at the time, so again, not doxing myself or anything, but I lived all over the shop, and we had we had a neighbor that it was kind of crazy. It was he was really well off at the time, he had his own business and stuff, and he lived in the unit next to me, um, and 
he got me a copy of Doom. Again, I think I was about 11 at the time or something. And not the kind of game, you know, you probably <laughs> recommend an 11-year-old. But I thought it was amazing. Such a cool game. So that, and graphically, that just blew me away mm. at the time. So I remember I remember playing that quite a bit as well. Um, and I remember getting my hands on, again, I was actually a legit copy. I saved pocket money to get this, um, of the original uh, Need for Speed. The very, oh, very original yeah, yeah. Speed, I played yeah. the hell out of the, the one on PC. I played the hell out of that one, yeah. And, and I still, I kind of wish I kept the original games. Like, I don't like, you know, I, I don't. I've collected a bunch of stuff in my life, but I actually wish I kept that kind of stuff. You can't. You're a minimalist. Um, well, now I can't. Exactly, yeah. And then I remember games like Dune, which... Mm. Um, and and Dune was different than Dune 2. I remember the original Dune, which was kind of more of, of, of an adventure kind of game. And then I remember playing Dune 2, which is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the first, or if not... No, it might, it might actually be the first real-time strategy game. Uh, that was ever made and i might have to correct myself on, on the next episode but it's certainly one of the earliest real-time strategy games and you know that spawned the whole genre of command and conquer which i subsequently played and all those other games and there's one game that i highly recommend you give you give a crack um into god if you want to play some adventure games and i have really fond memories of it and it was called dark seed and it was based on the hr giger artwork so I think I don't know if he worked with. I assume he worked with um, with the makers because he he would have done the art. And it's it's all his art, um, and it's an adventure game set up in a surreal world with all his art hmm. and and stuff. And it came out I think in 1992, and highly recommended if you can get it on like an I don't just just DOS box or something. I don't it's even know how you'd be able to play it from on the days. makers of I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Did they do that as well? <laughs> yes. I've never heard of that game. That's a similar Sounds kind of scary. Cyber Dreams. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a what is it that's a point and click like a, a super psychological horror one. So. Yeah. Mm. They didn't do that many other games since then unless they got bored out and, you know, it it turned into something else. But fantastic game, highly recommend it. Really cool trippy psychological horror. Um so yeah, those those were like the really early ones, and I think I mean I don't know if you guys want to continue, but I feel like that, that that's kind of like a summary of the early days, if you could call it that, because beyond that point, it gets into a more modern era where you know we can start talking about Unreal Tournament and Quake and the Mega Drive that I had and all that stuff in the PlayStation One. But I think that's not really early memories no. anymore. We, we can say well, that it's truly established segment. by then, which I think we can talk about some other day. Yeah, no, it was actually really cool going back. Uh, and actually, you know, my mum sent me a bunch of photos of like, I didn't send you guys all of them, but it was like me, like as a young kid on a PC and stuff like that. I love <laughs> like these old school box, you know, beige box PCs and stuff. So this was one you were still, not, not, not to say this in a mean way, but you were short and chubby. <laughs> I still am uh, short and chubby. Well, no, because you went through this. <laughs> I'm I at remember, least one of those things. <laughs> I re- well, one of those things, not the short part, let's say. You went through this crazy growth spur when did, you yeah. were in high school. Was it? Okay, you're trying to dox me. Yeah, what? It's no, relevant. Dox, what, how is this going to... What, what, what is anyone going to so do I with just, that piece of information? Right, I, just I need to, Phoenix right. Objection. Yeah, I just wanted to say, yeah, this has been great. And Intergot, mm. for the thousands upon thousands of hours that we've talked, and we've talked about video games and what we grew up playing, the fact that we both learned that we both played Cookie Monster Munch as kids <laughs> for the first time on this show 
as a testament to why we did this segment. We'll have to have as a thumbnail for the for the segment. All right, cool. Uh, well, that wraps us up for this week's show. Next week, we will continue our game of some other year, 2011 investigation uh, for another mm. nominee special. So this is Australian made Rockstar mm-hmm. own Detective Romp LA Noir. So we should have all finished it by next week. Uh, and it's I think it's going to be a really interesting chat, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, hit us up on Big Wig Pod uh, or through the YouTube comments. We will try to get back to every single comment. And if Including you want to help the, the show out, <laughs> uh, give us a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. But with that, I say bye-bye. Hello. Ciao.